Hello and welcome to the Ghoul Squad Podcast. Welcome to the Goddamn Ghoul Squad Podcast. I'm Eric Hoff, and with me, as always, is... Keegan Preslak. Hello, Eric. We're finally fucking recording. We're here. Yeah. We made it. It's uh, 2022. Last time we recorded was right before you went to fucking California. Yes. That was October. But I feel weird because you didn't say, like, this is... And this is a horror podcast where two buddies in the middle of nowhere get together, hopefully once an epoch. Yeah. And talk about horror movies. Okay, now I feel better. I feel like I feel like we had to get we, that log line it, in. Exactly. If we didn't do that, like I would feel like I have a band-aid on or something. Like, okay. And now we right. ripped it off. Okay. Anyways, Eric, yes. Last time we spoke, I was about to go on this amazing, insane trip, and I said, All I'm thinking about is this trip. I can't wait yeah. for it. And I, I wish I could like disappoint everybody, and I didn't go. I got COVID. <laughs> no. Uh, I went and it was fucking sick. Was COVID but. an issue ever when you guys were out there? I mean, were you not wearing really. your mask the entire time? Yeah. Was, there, was ever a time you're like feeling maybe a little uneasy where you're in a large crowd. So not to do this COVID talk off the bat, yeah. but uh, first of all, hello everybody. This is our top 10 of 2021. Yes. And uh, we'll get to that. But since Eric's going, I will say that- The um, dog's running. So like not to do the COVID talk thing, but you have to remember this is October. So this is before quote unquote, ooh, Omicron. Yeah. No, before that thing, right? These were the Delta days. Yes. And in the Delta days, <laughs> I had just gotten my third shot. So I felt, oh, I felt pretty oh, good. So you were on top of the world. Right. So I had I got my flu shot and my three shots. I'm like, I'm good. The May of last year? I thought we were done with it. Yeah. I thought we were in the clear. Yeah. So, so at that time having, we all had our three shots. We all oh, went. So you're having a good time. And I, and I had my flu shot and everything. I'm like, fuck it. I'm not going to get it. And, uh, I didn't. And then December happened and mm-hmm. it, everything went to shit and it's been a goddamn nightmare, but it looks like we're hopefully heading out of this one. Right. <laughs> I don't know. No, it does. It does right now. I don't but fucking no, but I, of course, you know, who knows what's on the, on the future, on the future. On the future, on the future horizon. Back on the future. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, bring me horizon. I apologize for going straight to COVID. No, that's okay. I just, you know, it sucks. It's like, I feel like that happened. Like, I just don't, I would even tell like some of my friends, I'm like, let's just not talk about COVID today. Yeah, like, that's right. all we fucking do now. Um, so anyways, hopefully everyone out there is safe uh, and healthy. We, yeah. We hope this pod finds you safe. Solace and healthy, yes, yeah. I think, and, and let's talk some horror films now, huh? For sure, for sure. Um, you know, for like an hour, we were rehearse what we're gonna hit on the pod, and then once we hit record, it all goes out the, fucking, goes window. Out the fucking window. Yeah, no, my next thing, I, so I have intro, and I feel like we're still in the intro, we're still in the intro, yeah. So, I mean, Eric, how are you? How is your life? How, how has COVID hit you? Uh, no, not really, but how's it going? Yeah, you know, work's kind of been shitty, dawg. It's still the goddamn Christmas at the Carlsbad Post Office. I'm surprised. Uh, so as you guys may know, you can get uh, free COVID tests I got the them mail. In, my, in my closet. Fuck, dawg. I had literally close to 100 of them yesterday in addition to the mail and packages that I had. You're telling me that kept you employed? I mean, if you want to look at it like that. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just kidding. E-Dog wants 12 packages. You know, or no mail, few letters. Yeah, just let me go take a an eight hour drive out there. Hell yeah! But That's instead, Edog is fucking working. 
As we know, Eric works for the Federal Reserve. No, he works for the post office. On so. the flip side of that coin. You got you know, free COVID tests. No, I was going to say, you know, I complain a lot about my job. I really do. But, you know, that's what allows me to fucking eat Taco Bell every night. For sure. And buy toys and bullshit like that. No, that's how I feel. Like, especially about that trip, you know, that I just took. Like, uh, uh, for those who don't know, I went to California. I went to Los Angeles and Anaheim. We did the Disneyland, Universal, and then it was during Halloween. It was actually Halloween weekend. Uh, I also went to a Patriots game. We won. Uh, and so we went to Halloween Horror Nights and Not Scary Farm. I forgot that's where we were headed. So let me just say, like, I'll make it quick because now we have our top 10 to do. We should also explain why we didn't do this. Like, it took us forever. Yeah. But let me just say Not Scary Farm and uh, Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, fucking incredible. Mm. But things to note. Number one, uh, if you ever go to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal, you have to get the uh, fast lane. It's called Fright Lane or something. Because, yeah, uh, really what we did all day is stand in lines, Mm. Uh, which I knew, right? Everybody knows that. Uh, But we thought, fuck it. We're not going to pay for that extra ticket. We'll stand in lines. Like, we're willing to do it. Nah. It was awful. But with that being said, Halloween 2020, you're going to get that fucking fast lane pass, huh? Yes. So the next one... I'll definitely do fast lane. I'm not sure when we'll go back, but like with that out of the way, uh, it was incredible. Uh, I'd never done like haunted houses before and it was amazing. I'll quickly run through universal had Texas chainsaw massacre, uh, the exorcist Halloween Four, uh, haunting of Hill house. And I think that's it. I might be missing one. Um, and my favorite out of those was Texas chainsaw massacre. Mm. Uh, it was amazing. It was just like it was the most intricate and like I think the worst one that we went through was The Exorcist actually which really? everybody was like so excited about and it just sucked. Um, uh, tell me about uh the TCM one. So, I mean, did you like walk through the farm like the house? Yeah, so you walked through like the a house. field first. So, did you get chased by Leatherface? So you saw my 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 pic or my yeah, my picture and it's us with the hitchhiker. Okay, yeah. So it was the front of the Sawyer house uh whatever, the farmhouse with it was the front of it when you walk in and they had the hitchhiker in front trying to, eh, let me take your picture. Let me take your picture. Stuff like that. Oh, cool. <clears throat> Which was awesome. And the rest of it was all just the house on the inside, like their house. And I got to say my favorite part was just walking around the corner and seeing uh, just bones and bird feathers all over the ground. Okay. Doc. And that's my favorite part of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, and I, mean, I was I like li- Leatherface behind like the oh, slamming yeah. he was door everywhere. and shit. Oh. He was. So I missed the slamming door part, but my brother uh-huh. and his wife saw it and they, Ben was like, Oh my God, you missed it. And I stood in front of the door for like a minute uh-huh. thinking he was going to do it again. And he didn't. Uh, so I just rewatched the original. Uh, yes. Uh, and Texas I, Chainsaw I did for the previous episode and, uh, you know, it's anticipation. We've got, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 coming out literally in a week. Yes. And I'm so fucking pumped for it. Now, let me say this. By the time you hear this podcast, <laughs> you're going to have seen the film. You might have seen the sequel to that film. <laughs> That's very fucking go true. Ahead, go ahead, Eric. Um, and so uh, I was just kind of like tripping on like how scary that movie fucking is to me. Absolutely. I'm a big baby about fucking everything. Uh, but the sequence where she's like pushing Franklin through the field, yes. Leatherface comes out. He starts chasing her. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. She goes... To the farmhouse, jumps yes. out the window, Leatherface keeps chasing her. Just imagine that, dog. Some big fucking dude with a chainsaw chasing you. How fucking terrifying that would be. 
Uh, it would be the scariest thing ever. Right. Especially the way he looks. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. Like, I rewatched uh, the original Texas Chainsaw, like, uh, before we went on that trip because we knew about the – we were watching the films for the mazes. Gotcha. And, man, the only thing I can say about that movie is, yes, it's good. Everything about it's good. The Everything is good. But I just want to say the final chase is just – you know, we, we call it pure cinema around mm. here. Got that from Elric Kane. Um, it is literally pure – cinema and, and it's and how the hitchhikers just like cutting sally like while she's trying to run yes. that's so fucked up yeah and just the chainsaw revving and 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 her just screaming uh running it, it it's literally like bliss right um i feel like that scene is toby hooper like mm. that there there he is like there's toby hooper like everything else is too but just pure fucking chaos with chainsaw revving uh nothing better than that and just just his like weird gonzo filmmaking of that movie like it literally feels like they're 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 just shooting what's happening right anyway sorry tcm yes i agree yeah. is that due to the poster on the wall uh, no that's due to it because we're getting a new texas chainsaw massacre in a week should we just do that so yeah I, I went to a trip it was great but anyways the new tcm uh are you excited about it i am i'm fucking pumped me too uh, I, you know, I, I, there was kind of a, a reaction online of everybody kind of was like, like eh, normal. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Everybody's kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. And my first thought, so I'm like, not against that. I'm just saying my first thought wasn't that I was like, fuck it. Yeah. Like my literally watching that trailer. I was like, is it violent? Does it look mean spirited? Check, check. I'm in check. That's yeah, it. That's all, that's all I, I need. need. So what, what'd you think about the trailer? I felt like it was hitting all the, the right notes for sure uh, for me. Minus the I've waited for him. He's waited for me shit. Sure. Uh, but I mean, I'm going to easily look past that if it's just going to be like Sally pissed off, like wanting to go fight him. That sounds fucking tight. Yeah. If it's if it's good, that's fine with me. But I definitely that was the one part of the trailer where I was like, I mean, the exact same scene. Like it's literally <laughs> right. it's like in the back of a car. Right. And they have like the trunk open or whatever. And she's like, I've waited for him. He's waited for me or whatever she says. I'm right. like, oh, that's fucking just Halloween um, 2018. But then I thought like the masks that they showed Leatherface wearing uh, looked nasty. Have yes. we established what the year is? Like, no, I don't think so. Well, they have cell phones at the end. So if it's 47 years later, are they saying he was 13? Let's not get hauled up on this. They're saying he's 13 in the original. If he's 60 now. Yeah. Huh, but I weird. guess it could be. I don't want to get into like the logistics yeah. of that. But uh, he could be like oversized. Uh, Is that a good child? Uh, so I love the masks that he was wearing. That it, shot of him like with just the bloody face. Right. It's fucking sick. Uh, I like when he like pops up in the. Help me out. What kind of field is that? What kind of flowers are those? Sunflowers? Sunflowers, yeah. Which that stoked me out just because there's like, there's like shots of sunflowers in the original film i know and like, there's like shots where like they're walking to the farmhouse and the camera is moving through the sunflowers yes and the swing it's called the swing shot and then also just like that last line like that was funny like hopefully there's more humor to be sure. found uh in the film I'm, it, I'm i'm like oh fuck i guess i wasn't that down on like the go get him cuz thing uh, from <laughs> right? texas saints on 3d like obviously i didn't think i didn't say fuck yeah like i was like eh but uh, it didn't bother me to the extent that I feel the like Dario can say whatever the fuck she wants, Dah. Especially in like that crop top. Like, <laughs> right. I, I mean, yeah, she can absolutely say whatever she wants. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it for TCM, the yeah. new one. I'm fucking pumped, Dah. Me too. I'm, I'm almost like... A little too pumped? Yeah. I mean, 
I wish we could see it in a theater. Absolutely, yes. I wish we could see it in a theater. Yeah, um, if Don't Breathe 2 can be in a theater, why can't the new TCM? Right? I, I, I would love to know the logistics of how Netflix came about it. Also, that's probably a boring conversation. But my, my guess is the uh, Fetty Alvarez's company is not uh, confident in it, which concerns me. Like the fact that they sold to Netflix, that's like when JJ sold the Cloverfield, Cloverfield Paradox, Paradox to yeah. Netflix. Yeah, because they were like, ooh, this sucks. So oh. I'm cautiously optimistic. Right. Um, I almost want to say I'm like Scream 5 pumped. I don't know about that pumped. I mean, just, I mean, I'll watch Nev Campbell do anything. Let me ask you a question. So I was a little more pumped for that. Two questions. One, have you seen Wild Things? No. I've seen The Craft. The sleaziness literally just oozes off the screen yeah. in Wild Things. And two, I forgot my number two. So let's just keep it going. Oh, fuck down. It yeah. Well, that was the TCM trailer. Did yeah. you see the uh, the Jurassic World Dominion trailer? I did. What did you think of that? I'm not a Jurassic World guy. Oh, that's right. You haven't even seen the first films, right? I assume I've seen like the original, but not sure. the sequel. Okay. Z- uh, are you pumped for? I am just because it's uh, All the legacy uh, Laura stuff? Dern and yeah, yeah. Sam Those Elliott. Guys, Sam Elliott. Yeah. Sam Elliott. Uh, Help me out, Sam. Who? Oh my God, Sam Neil. Sam, Sam Neil. Sorry. I had a Sam. And, and Jeff Goldblum. I've been watching 1883. So I've had Sam Elliott on my. Excuse me. You, you a big Dutton guy? What's Dutton? Isn't that what they're called in Yellowstone? You're not watching Yellowstone? Uh, 1883 is the prequel. It's a Western. Right. So you're watching the prequel without watching Yellowstone? I've never seen Yellowstone. I haven't either, and I'm not going to. Yeah, but you know, you're going to put a fucking new Western on TV. E-Dog's going to fucking watch it. But not the Star Wars Western. Damn. Yikes, stop. Yeah. I just finished Book of Boba Fett and ruling. Not great. Not great? Not great. I can't expand because too much of it is spoilers. Uh, second half, awesome. First half, yikes. Damn. And that's the book of Boba Fett. Okay. Anyway, so what are we doing on this episode of the podcast? We Eric? are finally, I feel like all that was a mess, but that's fine because that's Ghoul hey, Squad. Hey, we, Ghoul that, Squad is a mess. Let me, let me check this off. Intro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, we are finally going to reveal our top 10 favorite films of the year. 2021. 2021, yeah. And so why didn't record? What happened was... Well, what happened was... We wanted to do just a Scream review episode after Scream dropped. And we wanted to delay this episode so we would have more time to watch 2021 films. Oh, that too. And so we were like, fuck it, we'll do a Scream review. And then when the day came, I was like... I texted you and I was like, no, I don't want to do it no more. So you can blame me, dog. Um, I, that's okay. I was like, all right, fuck it. We'll just, I, I text you right back. I was like, we'll just get ready for 2021 top 10. I literally watched and rewatched over 20 films for this episode. And the content of this episode is still not going to be good. A hundred percent. Here's the thing. Like when it was like December, when it was like January and I knew this episode was looming. You didn't. I was like, I don't want to fucking do that. And then I don't know what happened to like. Something just kickstarted me. Kicked in. And uh, so, at the very least, I'm confident in my list. Good. Because if I had just tried to do this shit from memory, if I'd gone from memory from what I got now, it'd be two different lists. That's what I did. You rewatch? Oh, you just went from memory? I rewatched a couple of them, but yeah, mostly from memory. I, I rewatched one in particular that we'll talk about. Um, and, you know, for me... I feel like I failed a little bit on this list because I I, did, I definitely didn't watch near the amount of films that you did, 
But at a certain point, like I have to do my horror fan thing of like, I watched what I wanted to watch as much as I could. And here's my list. But uh, I definitely do want to say I did not watch everything. Like I remember telling you I missed censor. I did not watch that. I'm um, sure I missed a shit done too. Yeah. So I feel bad, but you know, Hey, only so much time some, in the day. Some I outright thought this is terrible. I guess I'm in the minority with lamb. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to Lamb. And with that being said, too, let me let me also quickly go ahead. I just want to say we're here to celebrate Absolutely. horror films. Absolutely. Just because I didn't like a film doesn't mean you're going to not like it. With that being said, give it a shot. The reason I didn't watch as many horror films as I wanted to is I was playing, and you'll like this, too much fucking Halo. I mean, that's the best thing ever. It's, it's, uh, just so you know, so on the last episode of the podcast, we talked about Halo Infinite's beta, yeah. uh, and you're like, ah, it's just a beta. No, it was the game. Just like I said. And two, uh, I completely did a 180 on it. Like I can't stop playing it. Okay. So like, you know, I'm, I'm done with the main battle pass. So now I'm just focusing on the campaign. Sure. Uh, in my opinion, we're going to talk video games for a second. Sorry. In Very my, quickly. In my opinion, the best open world games for me, I don't want to do story stuff. I want to go off and do. Sure. I've already completed all the high value targets. I've already answered all the UNSC distress calls. And I've already taken out all the banished outposts. I guess I got to do the story now, Don. That's yeah. how much I'm loving the Halo Infinite campaign. So I've played uh, maybe four hours of the campaign or so. Are you doing the side shit or are you no. just going through the story? Oh no. God. I've, so I, I've done a few side things, but then I realized I'll never complete the game. Just shoot side missions up into my veins, dog. Well, just, let me tell you this. Except for collectibles. I don't want to go find shit. Just shoot multiplayer okay. into my veins, dog. But because now, I can't, I can't play the campaign because all I can do is beep, 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 beep. That's all I can do, dog. All fucking day. Come May 5th uh, when we get season two. I'll be back on the battle. That's all I'm doing. I mean, I'll be back. On I can't stop playing. It's like it's actually kind of concerning. Like I'm a little bit addicted. I'm kind of impressed, to be honest. I remember. I told. Look, I told you. I said if Halo's good, I'll play it. Like I, that's it. I will play Halo. And <laughs> yeah. guess what? It is it good. Is good. Yep. Uh, it has problems, but we won't get into that right now. Okay. Let's keep it rolling. This has okay. just been a mess, dog. Hey, hey I, I love, love it. it. Hey, well, let's see how far we end. No, I can't see it from here uh, because I'm blind. So, with that being said, that was Halo Infinite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Eric, I want to say before, so we are going to do some trivia here in a minute. Yes, but I do want to quickly just say, uh, not not necessarily COVID talk. Uh, so I don't want you to think I'm bringing that up, but just to say, uh, so to recap, 2021, it was the year we went back to the theater. It's just true. That's crazy, isn't it? To think like now, it almost feels. Like we've already taken it for granted again? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't want to say normal because definitely there's a lot going on. People have lost loved ones. I think everyone's been touched by it. Not that side of it, but just being able, like a film, like Jackass Forever just came out. Mm -hmm. And we're like, cool, let's buy tickets. We'll go to the fucking uh, first showing on Thursday. It's not at midnight anymore. It's actually at 9.30. Which was way too late for E-Dog. Yeah. I haven't seen the film yet. Luckily, I was off, so we went. And man, just being able to like be like, oh, Jack has out. Oh, we got it. Boom, go. Mm-hmm. Um, that normalcy has been just. I mean, actually, like it, it feels so normal. Like I'm like now that I'm thinking about it, it 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 gets me a little bit emotional to think about like how long we went without going to the movies. This is true. Um, and definitely, like I love watching stuff at home, but you know that I'm a theater guy. I'm a presentation guy. I'm a fucking turn the speakers all the way up till they pop guy. And uh, it's just been amazing. So I just, I just want round of applause for all of us for the theaters coming back. Um, one of the films that is on my list 
is because I got to see it in a theater. That's awesome. Yeah. One of the films that's on my uh, on my um, honorable mentions is because we saw it in a theater, Just Me and You. Um, we'll get to that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Anything you want to say about going back to the theater this year? It started with uh, Godzilla versus Kong for me. Right. And then from there, it was it just opened wide, like uh, A Quiet Place Part 2, Conjuring yep. 3. Um, there was so much shit coming out that time. You went and saw uh, Army of the Dead. And I did a double with Army of the Dead and Spiral. Yeah, Spiral. Yes, thank you. Yeah. I think it all started with Spiral after Godzilla. Uh, now, I did see Tenet in 2020. Ooh. Uh, I saw August of 2020, I saw Tenet. Uh-huh. And as everyone knows that I've talked to, it was like the most, I like almost cried being there. And uh, I also really like Tenet. We won't get into that. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. it was like a religious experience watching Tenet in IMAX in El Paso. And my fucking, this, the walls were shaking from the fucking Bass? Ludwig Göransson's score. Okay. Um, and I walked out of there and I, I, I've told this story that I was like levitating out of the theater. <laughs> um, so anyways, that was 2020. But yeah, just being able to go back on the regular cadence um, has been incredible. So Anyways, I just wanted to say we went back to the theater last year and thank God. Let's we hope did. they stay open. Yeah. Yes. Thank God we did. With that being said, Eric, how do you want to do trivia? I don't know. How many cards do you want to do? There's six. Two? Oh, one each? Maybe two each? There's there's six questions per card. We didn't prepare for this. No. <laughs> no. How do we, how have we done in the past? I think we did two each, two cards each. Okay. Two cards each it is. And I'm gonna ask you these questions. Oh yeah, because I would know them, right? That's right. Answers are on the back of those cards. Okay. Eric, now yeah. let's get, did you hear how serious it got in here, yeah. everybody? Eric, you uh-huh. ask okay. me first. You want me to ask you first? Do you, do you, are we going to like take turns per question or am I just going to ask you six questions? Take turns per question. All right. Number one. Uh, this is horror movie edition, trivial pursuit. Horror, horror edition, movie. trivial pursuit. Yeah. Eric Hoff, read uh, me the question. I have the, I'm going to use air quotes, ultimate edition. But I'm kind of against the Ultimate Edition because it has questions about books and Yikes. TV. Ugh. Whereas this is just film. However, books, just so you know, books, is a that's a, that's a crime. However, uh, it also has a comedy question. So that's like horror comedy? Horror comedy, oh. yeah. Uh, and, 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 you, and you play with a board and you have like pieces that you move around the board and you can go in any direction. E-Dog always shoots first for uh, the comedy section. Okay. You think you're a pretty funny guy? No, I just think I'm good with those fucking questions. Duh. Okay. And the first question is, what is the name of the hunchbacked assistant of Dr. Frankenstein in Frankenstein, 1931? Igor? Fritz. Oh. Yikes. (laughs) Fake fan. All right, Eric, here we go. Okay. In Reanimator... Yeah! Reanimation is made possible by which of the following? Injection, electricity, magic, or artificial intelligence? Injection! Bitch! I don't even need to look, but I'll check to see what they said. Yes, injection. Okay, go ahead. Okay. In Videodrome 1983, on what organ is the malignant tumor developed by people who view the broadcast? The brain? You are correct! Malignant, get it? I do now. Okay, Eric. Okay. <clears throat> In The Loved Ones from 2009. Okay. What two letter... What? 
What two letters encircled by a heart does Lola Stone carve into the chest of protagonist Brent Mitchell? L and B? L and S. Ah, that was close. Go ahead. Okay, number three for Keegan. Uh-oh. In a voice cameo role, what actor played the fiance of protagonist Michelle in 10 Cloverfield Lane? Huh. Read it again. Sure. In a voice cameo role, what actor played the fiance of protagonist Michelle in 10 Cloverfield Lane? I know this too. This what, was one I would not have gotten. What actor? Man, I knew back then too. I said I knew back then when. Fuck, duh. I know this answer. Fuck. I'm going to say it and you're probably going to be like, God damn it. Yeah, because I remember this. I mean, we. I listened to, to Dan Trachtenberg fucking. I listened to the entire. He did a commentary on the Blu-ray with JJ for it. And I remember. I don't remember. Eric. Go ahead. Bradley Cooper. Damn it. I knew that. Fuck, duh. Fuck that. After we finish these cards, I got pee real bad. Which character... I'm glad you let everybody know that. Yeah. Which character in Cube, 1997... I like Cube! ...helps design the cube-shaped prison? Quentin McNeil, David Wirth, Dr. Helen Holloway, or Joan Levin? Quentin. Quentin? Nope. David Wirth. Damn it. Fuck. One more or you want pee? I guess I want pee. Okay. We'll be right back. And we're back. Hello. Back from Eric's bathroom break. Ooh, much better, much better. Back from Eric's bathroom break. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Keegan, you said it's me asking you now. Yes, that's correct. Okay. What actor portrayed Professor Jonas in Sinister? I mean, is it Ethan Hawke? Vincent D'Onofrio. Ooh, okay. I was like, is that Ethan Hawke's character? I don't know. I haven't seen Sinister in a minute. Okay, me either. I'm not a sinister guy. We've been over this. Everyone loves it. I don't. Interesting. What is the name of the coastal town celebrating its centennial in the fog? Ooh. I know it. I haven't looked, and I want to answer it if you don't. E-Dog don't got it. Isn't it? I could be wrong. Isn't it Antonio Bay? You are right. It is. Yep. Okay. Once you said it. Okay. I was like, that motherfucker is right. Okay, we're doing... Fuck. I'm doing bad. I feel like I'm doing bad. Okay. Go ahead. In House of Wax 1953... Yikes. Professor Henry Jared is disfigured when Burke sets the museum on fire to collect what type of money? Funny money. <laughs> insurance money. Okay. <laughs> You're like, insurance money, doll. What the fuck? Okay, you ready? Yes. Maniac, 1980. Yeah! I'm wearing a Maniac T. Kismet. Okay, let's hit it. I'm going to miss this one now. Fuck. Ma- Maniac. You're not going to miss this, dog. Let's hear it. Is set in what? East Coast American city. New York. I'm going to look just to be sure. Yes. All right. Go ahead. All right. Last card. Or excuse me. Last question on this card. Impulse, 2001. What room is referenced? On the, crumpled, on the crumpled printer paper found at the home of a victim. Red Room? The Forbidden Room. Fuck, duh. I've only seen the Kristen Bell Pulse. I didn't know Kristen Bell was in Pulse. Kristen Bell. 
I didn't know Christian Bale did a pulse. <laughs> Say it again. Uh, okay. In Deep Red. Yeah. Profondo Rosso. Yeah. 1975. Yeah. During what holiday does the murder in the drawing of the screaming child take place? Well, they're in they're in Italy, right? Yeah. What holiday? I almost want yeah. Is it Christmas? And the survey says yeah, it's Christmas. Damn! I nice stopped up. Go ahead. Am I? You think your neighbors are like, what the fuck's going on? In I definitely think they. They're Do I need to tone it down? Now? No, fuck no, no. Okay, tight. Uh, Go ahead. Me asking you. We've done th- we've done this card before. Well, we'll get a new card then. Let me tell you how I knew. Who directed the Cabin in the Woods? Okay. Go ahead. All right, Duh. This is one you should know. This this card already pissed me off. Go ahead. What is the name of the actor that played the vampire at the center of Nosferatu? It's a. Uh... Oh my god. <sighs> Fucked up. I can't remember. Is it Klaus Kinski? I don't remember now. That was like Vampire yeah, in Venice or something. I don't remember. Max Shrike. Nope. Wouldn't have got that. In, ooh, a little bit of kismet here. Okay. That's In it. The Wolfman. Yeah. 1941. Uh-huh. The protagonist, Lawrence Talbot, yeah. buys a cane decorated with the silver bust of what animal? Wolf. Got it. Go ahead. Got him. <laughs> In the last house on the left, 1972, what is the name Mary gives Junior when she gives him her peace symbol necklace? Man, that's such a, I don't know, Doc. I mean, I like that movie, but I don't know. I wouldn't have got that either. Willow. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that. What? I hate this question. Okay. Eric. Yes. What Superman Returns co-writer directed Trick or Treat? Michael Doherty? Yep. Okay, which character in Pet Cemetery 1989 is not resurrected? Gage Creed, Rachel Goldman Creed, Judd Crandall, or Bill Baderman? Rachel. Judd Crandall. Fuck. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've been. Eric. Yes. Lay it on me. What decade is Ouija? Origin of Evil set in. 1980? I thought it was 70s. 60s. Oh. We were both wrong. Okay. Go ahead, Eric. What is the name of the clairvoyant character that helps the Freeling family in Poltergeist 1982? Oh, man. What the fuck is her name? She has a, like a one, one word name. For the... So we don't... Weigh this down? I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right. Tangina Barons. Nope. Wouldn't have got that. Eric, go ahead. What actor played Patrick Bateman in American Psycho? Oh, we just talked about him. Christian Bell. Kissed him. Kissed him, Bell. Yeah. I feel like I'm falling apart here. Eric, go ahead. All right. Nah, if you don't get this one, I'm going to walk out the fucking door. I, I'm going to get it wrong on, <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> go ahead. What actress played the character revealed to be the mastermind behind the ghost face killer in Scream 4? Emma Roberts. There you go, Doug. Spoilers for Scream 4. All right. Okay, Eric. After surgery restores her sight in the eye, what is protagonist Munn able to foresee? Uh, Deaths? Yes. All right, last one. Nice job, Eric. You, you did better than I did. 
In audition, 1999. Yep. After paralyzing Aoyama? What method involving needles does Asami use to torture him? Acupuncture? Yep. Got him. Got him! And with that, this concludes Horror Edition Trivial Pursuit. Horror Edition Trivial Pursuit. Uh! Thank you for participating in that, Eric. Yeah. And with that, that's the end of trivia. Yep. And now... What do we got next? You know, I never did say what we were going to do. We're just going to do one thing each for what we've been watching. Oh, yeah, because we don't want to get bogged down. We often yeah. do get bogged down. We don't want gas out. We don't want a hot dog. <laughs> we don't want to gas out. Yeah, you know. And with all that being said, we're going to do one each. So now it's time to hit the music of the hot, actually, the hot dog dancing. Let's all go, go to, to the lobby. lobby. Let's all go to the goddamn lobby. Let's all go to the Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. You want me to go first? You go first. I'll go first. Keegan's going first. Hello, everyone. This is the What We've Been Watching segment of the Ghost Squad podcast. I wanted to talk about one thing. Eric has not watched it, so I was able to talk about this. Um, I often say I'm not watching enough lately, but I could not avoid the hype. Eric's cleaning his Trivial Pursuit thing that's, I'm sure, making noise. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will per- persist. Uh, I could not ignore the hype of Showtime's Yellow Jackets. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, Keegan watched Yellow Jackets and thinks Alone? it's fucking sick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I watched it every night after work. I thought this would have been a you and your brother type of thing. No, I'm glad it wasn't because it would have taken us six months to watch it. Okay. Hello, Ben. You. I'm just kidding. Um, no, so yeah, Yellow Jackets. I mean, everybody knows in the horror genre at this point, but I just wanted to speak is on it. Is it a horror show? It is, but, you know, I can tell you what it is. Everybody knows, but I'll tell Eric. Yellow Jackets is Lost mixed with Lord of the Flies. Okay. That's exactly what it is. So the show is, if you don't know, Yellow Jackets. <laughs> I keep saying it because everybody does know, but Yellow Jackets is about a uh, girls' soccer team that is headed to state in, I'm not sure where. Um, and the soccer team gets on a plane and it crashes over a mountain range. And after it crashes, they are stranded in the woods or wherever they are in the middle of nowhere with no food and they have to survive. So that is the Lord of the flies angle. It's also lost because they're lost in a plane crash, but it has flash the show is built around flashbacks. So there is a present day story and flashbacks to the survival story. And it's really good. You know, I will say the first two episodes are like much better and much more expensive. I think it's the pilot. I think the first two episodes are the pilot and they're actually directed by Karen Kusama. Oh, wow. And they're like miles better than the rest of it. And so I was like on cloud nine watching those first two. I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. 
as the show went, I felt like there were cheaper episodes here and there. And I think it ultimately wrapped up with a gorgeously shot, more expensive finale. And it, the finale was actually directed by um, Eduardo Sanchez. Is that his name? The Blair Witch Director? Oh, okay. Is that That's his name, isn't it? That no, sounds right. I might have fucked that up. That sounds right. So let me just say, in case I did, it the final episode is directed by the Blair Witch Director, the original director of Blair Witch. Wasn't there two of them? Yeah, but this is just one of them. Okay. So um, very well-directed episode, much more expensive. So it's almost like they spent less money in the middle and more at the beginning and end. Um, and yeah, it's really good. Um, the problem with Yellow Jackets is it's a very lost type show. It's very mystery box. And at first I thought, okay, it's going to be Lord of the Flies. They tease cannibalism in the first episode. I was like, that was actually what got me in was there was a bloody disgusting article that, that said like, it's a cannibal nightmare or something. And I was Mm. like, oh my God, what this girl's soccer team cannibals? Like, let's go. Watched it so far. I will say it's really not quite living up to that, but it's very good. It's very mystery box. They, you know, let me just tease that. Like, for instance, they, they find things after they crash that are, were there before they crashed and they indicate like something else is going on for instance. And so, you know me, I'm a mystery box guy. I was raised on JJ Abrams, uh, Lost is my favorite TV show of all time. And this hits all those right notes and is horror. But um, I will say that it's definitely the first season was not as like, I was a little too hyped for it, but it's very good. And and it has uh, incredible, uh, the the older, I don't want to say older, but the the present day story actresses are fucking amazing. It's um, So when you say present day, they get off? Well, like, so that's the interesting part. They get out of the Our present day story whatever, is showing. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like our present day story is showing some of the people survived. But the interesting part is, of course, they keep information like, is this all of them? Oh. Okay. We don't know. And then two, um, things are starting to happen to them in the present day, and mm. it's now creeping back to the past. And so I'm guessing the story's gonna merge like this is what actually happened because we're not fully in season one never mind i shouldn't say so so it's it's not a, a wrapped up story then definitely not it's a season one okay and so i was frustrated by that when i first started i thought it was a limited series okay and so now i know it's a series i'm like eh, definitely not what i wanted i definitely wanted a, a limited series gotcha um but man these these uh the actresses in the present day are incredible um uh, anybody that we know what is her christina ritchie okay um, Juliette Lewis. Okay. And then what is her name? Fuck. I know her last name, Linsky. She's, I feel like the best actress in the show so far. Um, I can't remember her fucking first name. Um, start me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you're speaking like you're still watching it. You, you finished it, right? I finished the first season. Okay. But I guess I'm speaking that way because I really can't talk about a lot of it because you don't want to give anything away. No, like even the first two episodes, like you really shouldn't know a whole lot. I already Mm. revealed too much that for instance, there's things already there that are sort of mysteries there, which of course itches my like lost, um, brain, which is like, you know, finding fucking, I don't even want to get into lost because it's so fucking good. But, um, I think I'll leave it at that. I'm trying to, I'm struggling with it because I don't really want to say a whole lot. Uh, Yellow jackets. 
If you're not watching it, which most of you are, I'm sure. If you're not, fucking get Showtime for a month. Burn through it. It's incredible. I feel bad because there's so much current television that I want to be watching. Uh, I want to watch Peacemaker. I want to watch The Righteous Gemstones. I still haven't watched Hawkeye. You're telling me I need to watch Mandalorian and Boba Fett. Um, so I watched Hawkeye. I did watch Dexter, but it's because I watched it with my mom. Yeah. And that's also why I'm watching 1883s because I'm watching it with my mom. But you know what the fuck I'm watching, Da? And I'm happy that I'm watching it and I don't want it to ever end. How I Met Your Father. Friday Night Lights. Oh, I, I love Friday Night Lights, huh? I hated it when I started it, Die. and now I just want more and more. Just pump Tim Riggins and smash into these two veins right can here, I, Da. Can I hear you say Cutch Taylor? Cutch Taylor? Cutch Taylor? I just love how fucking dumb Coach Taylor is. I love him. I, uh, so uh, obviously. Saracen, I want to rewatch Midnight Mass now. Now that no I know that Riley now. is, is that his name? Yep. In Midnight Mass? It's is Saracen, because I didn't know that. I feel like I'll love Midnight Mass even more. We're doing movies. That was my favorite TV, uh, horror TV show of 2021. Friday Night Lights is so fucking good. Oh, um, God, I love it. It gets dog. weird towards the end because they run out of stuff and it, it, uh, I mean, they're seniors, right? Don't tell me what happens, but well, I mean, how, how can they go past season two? So the thing is, is like that show ended up, I don't want to get into this. That show ended up airing uh, its finale, its final season. Like another on, channel? Uh, Direct TV. Yeah. Like exclusive to Direct TV. What channel though? It was like it a Direct TV on a channel. channel. Yes. Yes. It was crazy. Dana um, told me, and we'll get off Friday Night Live, that Michael B. Jordan comes? Yes. Holy shit. Holy shit. Tell me. No, no, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. It's so good. Oh my God. I can't wait now. I love Friday Night So anyways- yep. Uh, it's funny because it kind of, you know, Yellow Jackets has that like coming of age story. Um, I did want like the kid's story to be more like serious and intimate and adult. And it's definitely not like at times the kid's story, uh, I call them kids, the, the, the high school kids in Yellow Jackets. Sometimes that story feels like fucking YA, mm. like young adult shit. Sometimes it feels like Hunger Games, like level romance. Really? And that stuff I like, I'm like. No, like, no, this is not what I wanted. But the present day shit is dead serious and fucking very adult, and it's awesome. Mm. So with that being said, we all love Yellow Jackets. If you're not watching it, you have to watch it. Um, you said something else in there that I'm watching. Oh, no, I wanted to tell you that I started uh, Station Eleven, what that Station HBO 11? show. It's a pandemic show. It's about uh, – I really don't want to say. Uh, you said Station Eleven – uh, I don't know what that is. I also don't know, but there's a Netflix show. Maybe help me with the title. Archive 81. Maybe? Oh yeah. The James Wan produced one. And Benson and Moorhead did a few episodes. Yeah. I want to watch it. I haven't yet. I've been okay. busy with, uh, with station 11 and I did watch fucking Hawkeye. Okay. Was it good? Um, it's, it's good. It's, uh, yes. Of the par. Yes. Uh, did you see black widow? I did see black widow. Uh, you'll, then you'll really like the final episodes of that. Okay. Um, okay, I'm done. Yellow Jackets is amazing. That okay. way, Eric, what's your one thing? Okay, for just, what we've been watching, just one thing, and this is directed straight at you, duh. I'm watching Yellowstone. <laughs> I I probably won't watch Yellowstone because it's not a western. I didn't. I don't like how you split that up just now. Yellowstone. Yeah, it's two separate words. I'm joking. Go ahead, Eric. I'm joking. Okay. I watched a 1958. Oh, my God. Akira Kurosawa samurai film oh. called The Hidden Fortress. Yes, this is what uh, Star Wars is based on. Yes! 
Yes. Well, like, I wouldn't know that. So, so that's why. So when we got in here. That's funny you say like, that. Like, I wouldn't fucking know that. Well, what's funny is, like, I was afraid I was going to say that and you were going to, like, challenge me or something. But, yeah, so when I first got in here, I was counting the number of Star Wars posters yes. you had. But I don't have enough Akira Kurosawa <laughs> posters, Doc. Uh, so what it's about is it's samurai film. There's these two warring um, samurai factions. One has lost. And... There are these two bumbling idiots. And I guess this would, I guess originally George Lucas, and maybe you can correct me, maybe you already have this knowledge. He was going to remake The Hidden Fortress as a sci-fi. Yeah. But I guess he rewrote it so much that it became Star Wars, right? Blended with a lot of other shit, yeah. Sure. So there's these two bumbling idiots, and I guess these two guys are like the basis of R2-D2. Yeah, the droids. C-3PO, right? Which is why the film opens with them. Oh, that, that's yeah. how the Hidden Fortress opens. Okay. Oh, great. have you seen the Hidden no, Fortress? No, I've never seen oh, okay. it. I've never seen it. So it's these two warring samurai factions. One has lost. And so the winning faction is like uh, going around and they're taking prisoners. And so uh, these two guys who are not on either side, um, they get arrested by the winning faction and they're forced to be like grave diggers for them. But eventually they get away. And they meet this man, played by Toshiro Mufuni. The only reason I know how to pronounce that last name is because of Captain Mufuni in Matrix 3. Um, he is... Yikes. He is... I know, right? He is... He was like the general of this samurai faction that lost. He wants to get his princess out of their territory. And they ask these two idiots to aid them across the countryside to get away from the winning side but they never reveal to them who they are. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, I guess that's Star Wars reference I don't get. That's possibly in Hidden Fortress. Is that what you're telling me? No, I'm just okay. saying it's... So the, the two... <laughs> go ahead. Let me recap A New Hope. The two droids uh, are, go to the ship to... Uh, and they deliver a message from Princess Leia to Obi-Wan uh, through R2-D2. Right. Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. Okay. You're my I've only seen hope. Footage. Yeah, I, I stay annoyed. Okay, um, so that's all. I just wanted to tell you about the hidden. No, fortress. that's awesome. I, that's awesome. You um, watched it. I, I I respect you for watching it. There is this terrific spear fight, and I can't help but think, like, I wonder if that's where lightsabers are from. Was this terrific spear fight that's in? Has to be the hidden fortress. So that's all. How'd uh, you watch the hidden fortress? Well. I've been going through like a Kurosawa's filmography. Wow. And I just got the blue from Amazon. Fired it up. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, was it the Criterion blue? It was the Criterion blue. Nice. Yeah. No, that's awesome. You so know, excuse me while I push up my glasses. I, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm not worthy be, uh, because you've seen uh, the Hidden Fortress and I haven't. But no, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's it's like I would. Okay, so you fucking love Star Wars, right? Yeah. I wouldn't tell you to watch The Hidden Fortress and expect Star Wars. No, definitely not. Yeah, I mean, it's two different fucking things. Uh, but it's it's neat to see for someone who's a casual Star Wars fan to be like, oh, I bet you this is where yeah. maybe he got this idea. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, I talk about this a lot, but it's like how um, like Homer's Odyssey or the Iliad like influence stories in the future, mm. but they're like adapted into science fiction or horror and things like that. So sure. I would not expect star Wars from 
a character yeah, solid, but yeah. yeah, no, but that that's fucking sick. Like I'm jealous that you've watched it and I haven't. So that's yeah. badass. And okay. I think that's it. That's what we've been watching. Eric, <clears throat> I think now we have to talk about Scream 5. Oh, shit. Uh, why don't you start? What, how do we How do how, we want to talk about Scream uh, 5? I mean, like, is there anything we, they're like, what else could we have been more excited for? Uh, Halloween Scream Kills 5. last year. Okay. But yeah. But then Halloween Kills came and went. Yes, absolutely. And then we had Scream 5 to um, tie us over to Halloween Ends. I'm just kidding. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Um. I rewatched all the films. Did you rewatch? The yes, films? I did. Okay. Yes, I did. Uh, in preparation uh, of it, uh, I mean that was like the longest week of my life, dog. <laughs> like how so? Because you had to watch all those movies, or because you were busy? Because I had to. I'm saying the week Scream Five came out. Yeah, it was the longest week because I had to wait. Oh yeah, for to sure. go to go watch it. Where, where was your hype level? It was high. I mean, it was it was fucking high. Um, so let's just get into it. Then did it meet? It, it met yes. Your, like I don't. Even, I don't. I definitely don't want to uh, have any trepidation and say yes. It met it mm. for sure. Uh, that's why I wanted you to go first because I can like at least say a couple of its flaws. Okay. But outside of that, um, I kind of feel like this is like a this is another like Halloween kill situation where like I feel so spoiled oh, by this. Oh, okay. I, okay. So I like when it. I, when I, like I Halloween watched kills. Halloween Kills, I was down on it yeah but i've watched it four more times <laughs> since seeing it in a theater yeah. and, and now i really really like yeah uh halloween kills but i mean um scream five for me i definitely liked but i was like okay i need to like take it all in you know what i mean like yeah. I, I knew i liked it but i wasn't sure how much and then on my second viewing i was like oh shit i this is great. And by then I'd already read like spoilers and yeah. read about Easter eggs. Fan and, fiction. Right. So, and so by that point I was like, oh my God, I, they, they hit the fucking nail on the head. Yeah. And that's kind of what I mean. Like I feel like, okay, so so let me say my things about Scream 5. Please do. Scream 4. So like seeing that there's going to be a Scream 5, we felt like it kind of felt like it was going to be like the legacy sequel thing. And to an extent it is, but I feel like we already had our legacy sequel with Scream. Scream 4 already came out, and it is the legacy sequel. It does bring back the characters in the ways you wanted. It does do all the things that we wanted from another Scream film by Wes Craven, written by Kevin Williamson. So with those things in mind, this film was interesting because I feel like it tries to do that again, but also is trying to comment on that at the same time. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I go ahead. Oh, I I was initially kind of turned off by the idea of like new kids, sure, like, like new kids that were gonna like take the over man, the mantle, right? And and I'm happy to say like no, like they're they're great. Like I love how they tied them into the legacy characters. Yeah. Like uh, I hope this isn't a spoiler, but like because we don't want to do spoilers. So let's just say slight, extremely slight. Uh, yeah, Scream 5 spoilers, but we are we, not going to spoil the film. We, yeah, we definitely won't be telling you who the killer is. If you don't want to know anything about it, you should have already saw it. Right. Uh, just like a very slight spoiler coming here. Right. Uh, two of the kids are Randy's niece and nephew. Nee- nee- yeah. Niece and nephew. I feel like we're really fucking outside. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So just like small things like that. There's an even bigger one that I won't fucking say at all. But when it happened, I sat up in my seat. Like I was like, Am I seeing yeah. what they're showing me right now? Like, I kinda if Dana was sitting next to me, that titty wet got slapped. I, I feel like when I when I saw it, um, 
when that moment happened that you're talking about, I kind of felt like the film had, and the filmmakers, and like, I felt like they had something up their sleeve. Mm. I just wasn't quite sure what it was. I wasn't expecting that. I can tell you that right now. Well, I wasn't necessarily expecting that, but once I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, this is what's up their sleeve. Because mm. I knew they had something just from the way they've been talking and, the, and like they're saying, please don't spoil the film and all this stuff. I was like, they got to have something. But, um, and, and, then what, uh, and then what's also great is like, you know, in my opinion, Scream 1 is like a celebration of horror films, right? And, yes. And Scream 2 is a commentary on sequels. Yes. And Scream 3 is not about anything. And Scream 4 is about, is a commentary on remakes and reboots. And then I love how Scream 5 has a new commentary sure. to, to dish out within the film genre. I mean, it, and it's so like perfect. And one that, one that's so... Uh, fuck, I'm, try- time? I'm trying to think about spoilers. I don't think... Look, again, very slight spoilers. So if you don't want to hear anything, skip ahead. Very slight to say... And one that's so, like, I agree with. Right, yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. it was so interesting to hear him, like, literally... I'm not going to say what they comment on, but to comment on the Legacy sequel idea and toxic fandom and, and what fans want and what they think they want and stuff like that. Um, I won't say more than that, just to say, like, those things spoke to me so much because... You know, I felt that so hard with like The Last Jedi. I, I love that movie, still love it, think it's one of the greatest things ever made. And to this day, like people still shit on it to this like they this say it's crazy. the worst movie ever made and it's crazy. And they say stuff like it ruined my childhood and it and they they hashtag not my Luke Skywalker, for instance. And this film was like actively commenting on that um uh phenomenon. And so it just those things spoke to me and then even just without that, let's just say like the violence, like the level of Holy fucking shit. violence. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, there's a, again, slight spoiler. We won't say who there's like a broad daylight kill in this movie. And, uh, uh, and I was like, Holy shit. Like they don't give a fuck. How about this? Another thing that surprised me was like, and this uh, is directed by radio silence. Correct. Okay. So Ghostface uses a knife to kill people, but like they found ways to like make that different. Like up the ante, like, there's a kill where Ghostface has two fucking knives, and I was like, like I don't, I wasn't sure that I was seeing that. Yeah, the first time I watched it, and then the second time I was like, oh shit, Ghostface has two knives during this. Like, yeah, and they it, Ghostface just looks so dope. He looks so and good, so sick. Ghostface and and Michael in Halloween Kills last year. I mean, they're basically superhero shots because of how good literal they, hero shots. How there's good they one, make them look. There's that one in Scream Five where like. Uh, Ghostface like stands up and yeah. it goes, and he like stands up like and like they slow it down a little bit and I was like <gasps> I, I'm just gonna fucking say it again, Da. Uh, the fucking park attack and Halloween kills. The camera starts at his feet. It pans up. Fucking Carpenter score just. Oh my god, it's so fucking it is good. So sick. Yeah. So sick. So good. Um, that that one has like full on set pieces. Uh, Halloween kills. Um. But yeah, no, I mean, for, for Scream, Scream 5, you know, like, I definitely, uh, just just thinking about it out loud, you know, I w- I definitely wanted more, let's just say this, I definitely wanted more Sidney Prescott than I got. Okay, that's fair. But also, like, the film surpassed that idea for me, where I felt like I was okay with it. I, I thought it was smart that they had the character do what she does. Yeah. And then why she does what she does later in the film. No, I, I 100% agree with sure. you that I want more Sydney. Duh, we're watching Scream. But it was like they gave her smart things and her motivation was smart. Absolutely. I know exactly what you're saying because like, 
your first thought would be, well, why would Sydney Prescott ever go near Woodsboro? Woodsboro, yeah. and they give her a reason to go right. near right. Wood Woodsboro. So I totally agree. Um, I will say I feel like some of the writing was uh, missing Kevin Williamson a bit, but okay. but I, I don't think it was quite as needle sharp. I mean, that dude's fucking scream one and two scripts are like off the fucking chain. Um, so I, I do wish that it was a little, little, a little more sharp, but, um, but again, like all of this is like, it's, it's sort of like, uh, table setting. Like it, I'm trying to think of the word, like it's superfluous. Like it doesn't, I love scream five. Um, the one thing I don't love okay. is the performance of our main character. I feel like she's not the greatest. Um, her, her little sister's a mate. So it's Jenna Ortega is amazing. But then uh, I think it's Melissa Barrera, not to yep. not to shame her, but like I don't know if it's the script and it could be, but like I felt like I didn't buy much of her performance, but literally everyone else I think is amazing. Um, I love all of the kids. I was really – I really came around the second time, if that yeah. makes any sense. I mean I definitely liked him the first time, but then the second time I was like, this is my new screencast. Yeah. <laughs> These are my new screen characters. I don't think they're as good, like having watched Scream 4. Like, I think those kids, I don't, how did they get those kids to be so good? Right. Like, those kids are amazing in Scream 4. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about Scream 5. We, we always struggle because we don't want to spoil Scream 5. Right. So, it's kind of like all the things that I want to say, I can't. So, I will just say that I love Scream 5. I already pre-ordered the Steelbook. Nice. They announced Scream 6, which is sort of weird. No, yes. Which is I'm great. I'm super excited, but also like kind of weird because it's like, well, fuck, what are you going to do now? I have faith because it's the same creative team returning. It's For Radio sure. Silence, the same writers. Kevin Williamson's producing again. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, should be good. I wish he would write these films. I'll say that. But um, yeah, so in like Radio Silence's part, you know, like I've been speaking Radio Silence's praises since Southbound? day one on this podcast. Well, originally VHS, VHS, yeah, the original VHS with no one talks about, but I think is actually the best one. Which sue me, I know nobody thinks that. That's fair. Um, I think it's like the scariest, most dangerous VHS, where the others are just sort of like fun short films. Um, go ahead. The second one don't feel dangerous. I don't think it feels dangerous. I think it feels cool. Like okay, that yeah, I know what you're talking about. Timo Tajanto's segment, of course. Right. That doesn't feel dangerous to me. That feels like a big, big film, which is sick. But I think VHS like felt like it was scary. Okay, and I'm not scared by those things in in um, VHS too. I just think like, holy shit, I'm a big baby. Everything scares me. I don't know. Holy shit doesn't scare me, but it's cool. Gotcha. So no, so I've been a huge Radio Silence fan. We love, uh, Southbound was one of my favorite movies that year. It still is. I wish they would do a Southbound Blu-ray in the US. Mm. And so we, we love Southbound. I actually even liked, and I found the tweet, they made a film called Devil's Do in like 2014 or something. And I really liked it. Like I came out of it like, oh, it was pretty good. It's a found footage, basically Rosemary's Baby film. About Radio like, Silence made this? Yes. And huh. I, I liked it. This isn't the film where you have to go online to see the ending, is nope. it? Nope. Nope. That is called The Devil Inside. Okay. This is called Devil's Do. No one cared about it. They directed it. And I was like, holy shit. I even found the tweet where I said radio silence about it. Huh. No one even fucking knows about it. And I really liked it. And everybody shit on it. So Color may, me interested. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, I'm not saying it's fucking high art. 
but I like I that. like Radio Silence. I mean, I feel like that's enough to like warrant me putting it in my Netflix queue. I am not saying it's high art, so no one at, don't at me. But Do people actually at you though. No, <laughs> <laughs> definitely check out Devil's Do. Okay, I feel like there was a Devil's Do I talked about one time, but that's I talked about uh, where it's like a girl. She's like maybe possessed in like it's not a convent. It's like a place where like I forget the time period. Uh, maybe you remember me talking about this, but it's like a place where like women go who like have kids like out of wedlock or they're developmentally disabled. And so like people don't know how to treat them. So they send them to this place with this priest to like be looked after, but it turns out one might be possessed. Does that sound familiar? I have no idea what you're talking about. All right. Well, I mean, I may be on Is drugs. it a modern film? I'm on drugs. I mean, like not the time period, but like IFC uh, Shout Factory, like put it out like five years ago. Fuck, I don't know. I'll go look when I get home, Doc. Uh, with that, are we done with Scream 5? Uh, I feel it's weird. Only, like, it's only February, but it's the best horror film of the year. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and like, it's obviously going to be on next year's <laughs> I definitely, like, list. I hesitate to, like, bring up any flaws, like I said, because, like, I, my first thought is it's fucking awesome. I love it. So I, just so everybody knows. I mean, I, I feel like you like it. You like it a lot. Love it. I feel like I may like it more. Probably. Okay. Oh, let's do our ranking. Oh, I guess if we had an updated ranking yes. now. Scream. Fuck, that's tough, but I would I'll go. I'll do it. Ready? No, let me do it. Okay. Scream. One? Yeah. Okay. Scream two? Okay. Scream four? Okay. Scream five? Okay. Scream three? That's mine! Yay! Yeah, that's my ranking. And with that, that's Scream. You, you know what's wild? And Let's get off Scream after this. Is with this new scream coming out? Well, you know, it's been out now. It sort of exposes how bad Scream 3 is. Oh, wow. That's exactly what I'm getting <laughs> to. I saw people shit talking 4 and praising 3. And I was like, huh, that's a thing. That's weird. Here's the thing I like 3, but 3 fucking sucks, dog. I watched someone's ranking on YouTube and they ranked Scream 2 last. And I was like, how is this possible? That's like Bizarro World. Huh? <laughs> well, let me ask you this question. What uh, would Bizarro Keegan be? What's Bizarro Keegan? Well, Bizarro Eric would be like, not afraid of germs. I'd probably fucking rollerblade or scooter or something. And I'd probably like smoke pot or something. The complete opposite of you. Okay. That would be Bizarro Eric. Skinny. <laughs> <laughs> Driven. Okay. <laughs> okay. And you would like hate video games. Life goals. Okay. And I would hate film. Wow, that'd be that'd be a Keegan I wouldn't want to be friends with. Sounds like a good guy. <laughs> it sounds like a good guy who's like ready to start a family at twenty one. <laughs> uh, you know what? There's another one. And actively having a girlfriend or married. Okay, yeah. And with that, I, I didn't know Bizarro Keegan was gonna get so dark. Well, it's, <laughs> you know, you asked for the, you know, it's called yeah. it's called a uh, comedy humor. Okay, unfortunately, so, so we both fucking loved Scream. Fine. Absolutely love it. Uh, I love Radio Silence. The new kids are so good. The so there's a killer. So I will say the killer is awesome. I love the way the killer speaks, mm. and I will leave it at that because we cannot you, you say more. You know, that. it's always been. Is it Roger Jackson? Is his name? Yes, the guy who voices Ghostface. And I almost feel like um, he's doing something like a little different. And I feel like he does that. In almost every film, would you agree with that? Like, yeah, it, it's it's one hundred percent him. It's one hundred percent. Well, he was face. like softer spoken in this movie, but I feel like he's doing something a little different, and I like it. 
Let's also say the critique on like uh, the elevated horror stuff, which I definitely am involved in because mm. I love, like I, I wouldn't use the term elevated horror, but those films, of course, I love. We've talked a lot about, mm -hmm. but just hearing it, like I don't watch slasher films. I watch films like The Babadook, right. um, which is funny because like, so just so you don't think I'm talking shit, I watch both because I love it. Is that real? Are there horror fans that wouldn't want to watch a slasher but would want to watch Midsommar first? I bet there's there's modern horror fans that are younger, maybe 16, 17, that range. I bet there's people that like think A24 horror is like all there is. I bet there is. We got X coming out in March. Fuck yeah, I can't wait. And Alex Garland's Men. Man, can't I watched that fucking trailer. wait. Nah. I love Alex Garland. Is that A24 as well? This yep. new Alex Garland joint? I'm fucking like, I tend, you know, I don't attend that. Well, I attend a lot of churches now that I think of it. Am I crazy? But is Taka Watiti and Alex Garland possibly the same person in terms of look? I don't know if that was a racial thing. Maybe you should take that out. Keep going. <laughs> now, you know, it's funny. I wouldn't have taken it that way, but now I'm not sure either. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. Okay. I just meant like they look similar to me. They do. Oh, uh, one is like makes dead serious devastating sci-fi and the other makes the funniest fucking shit ever that's funny also devastating nazi film they should write something together yeah hey uh no i want i want alex garland to make his devastating sci-fi shit uh fuck i love uh annihilation so with that eric we love scream we love we love fucking scream i gotta, I gotta pee again uh-oh Another pee break. Yes. Sorry. Pee break. So uh, I'm going to crack open this water now. Let's hear it. So expect more pee breaks. Is that pretty good? Eric is drinking a beer. Well, that's not true. Eric is drinking liquid death. Yep. Water. Yep. Sponsor us. And with we, that. We always talk about shutter. Yes, I'd like a liquid death sponsorship. Speaking please. of Shutter, I was gonna tell, I was gonna surprise you with this on the pod. You got a subscription? No. Oh, I uh, I don't need a subscription. I just don't have Shutter. Uh, I was gonna tell you that I read someone. I know you're lying. Uh, All the colors of the dark podcast retweeted someone saying that they heard that Livid is gonna be on Shutter March first. I don't oh, know if shit. that's true. Have you seen Livid? I own it on Blu-ray. Yes. Oh, but that's the film that's never been to America, right? Yep, 2011, Alexandra Bustillo and Julianne Morey. And uh, you know what's funny? Julianne Morey fucking posted on um, his story today, uh, uh, Region B, somebody saying they got the Candisha Blu-ray. And I was like, fuck. And I, I, I messaged Julianne Morey on fucking Instagram. I said, hey, any chance of getting a U.S. blue of Candisha? And he said, he messaged me back and said, nice. I don't think so because Shudder has it. Oh, wow. Which my thought would be Shudder puts out Blu-rays too, so I'm not quite sure. But it's like RLJ or whatever that is. Okay, sure. So uh, I don't know, but then I, I said, you know, I'll take the chance to tell him to give him flowers. So I said, hey, you know, thanks for responding. Just wanted to let you know I'm a huge fan of all your movies. I even imported the Livid Blu-ray from uh, the UK or something. I'm not sure where it's from to check that one out so I could see all your movies. And he said, he messaged back and said, you're awesome. Thanks for supporting. And I was like, oh, cool. Julian cool. Moore. Yeah. In 2007. Okay. When Inside came out okay. from France. I never knew I would get a message back <laughs> that, that uh, I would even have a text conversation with Julian Mori of Bustillo and Mori. Oh, wow. Very neat. Very neat. It's not a big deal, but you know, it makes you smile. I was like, oh, 
That's cool. He responded. You know what? I uh, I know he's not like famous, famous, I, I, but it's cool. I uh, I'm a huge fan of those guys. This isn't the same thing at all, but uh, you know, I emailed a toy company the other day about a pre-order. Sex I, toy company that I hadn't heard anything about in a long time. They replied back, and I was like, "Hey, thanks for taking the time for you." You replied back. To you me. emailed, "Dear, who it may concern, <laughs> my fleshlight gets crusty <laughs> after use. <laughs> Can you tell me how to clean it? Can please? you <laughs> please tell me how to clean my so fleshlight?" I, so if I was happy about this toy company, you know, replying back to me in a timely manner, I can imagine how you were excited about. Well, like was it Bastille or Maury? It was Maury, Julian Maury. Maury uh, replied to you. It's just cool because it's like, man, that's dope that he like took a second out of his day, you know? But it's also, just, what's he doing? Making fucking fire-ass films, duh. I just feel like this ought to be good. I'm, so, I'm certainly not shit-talking them because I love them. I feel like they should be making like like how Benson and Moorhead are directing Moon Knight now. Yeah. I feel like they should be there too. Yeah, but financing and shit like that. Okay. I don't know. Maybe, you know, I Is don't it know. Because they're not in America? Maybe. And maybe they've stayed in France. I'm not sure. I'm not sure their story on that. Okay. I mean, I feel like they're certainly churning out films. So, well, remember. And they, we'll keep watching them. They were originally going to do Hellraiser, and then that oh. never happened. And now it's going to be Bruckner and those guys. And Leatherface got taken away from them. Maybe they just haven't gotten a chance to like. And Leatherface was fucking good. And Leatherface is good, despite. I mean, who knows what it could have been if it was. Yeah. God, if that. it stayed theirs. I can't believe people like hate that movie Leatherface Which that they is did. Crazy. And it's so fucking violent. Yes. There's a scene in that film where they go into a diner and what a character puts a shotgun directly in someone's face and, and pulls the trigger. But here, thank you. I was gonna say when that happened, I thought, well, that I mean they're not gonna pull the trigger and show it, right? It happens, I thought, holy fuck. I had to rewind that, like just so I could see it again. Cause I was like, what the fuck? Like the first time I saw it. Like that right there. That is the balls of fucking French filmmakers to do something like that. When they're fucking on that corpse is why I won't show that movie to my mom. Well, shout out Mama Easy. Yeah. And, and we it. watch fucking everything together. Well, I will know about everything, duh. You know what the fuck I'm I know, duh. Uh, with that, Eric, I would say it's time for our feature presentation, which is our top 10 of 2021. But there's one more thing. And that is Eric Coffin's Terratudes. Eric Coffin's Terratudes. Fuck you, E Dog. Fuck you. Fuck you, E Dog. Fuck you. Eric, take it away. Eric Coffin's Terratudes. Okay, so for this installment of Terratudes, it's only appropriate that I do uh, my favorite horror punk albums of 2021. How many? E Dog decided. E Dog decided. E Dog decided that six was a nice number. There was more than six. I could have easily done fifteen. No, I could have easily done seven. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I had to write these down though. Eric's pulling it out like it's gonna be uh, top secret. La- best picture, La La Land. <laughs> okay, so coming in at number six is Five Cent Freak Show. With their uh, album, Reanimation of Annihilation. A lot of enthusiasm here, Doug. Yep. Number five. With their album. I, I, I'll be honest. I don't have that one written down. So, <laughs> he only has five written down. <laughs> so I had to remember that one. So maybe this will come out better. Okay. Number five uh, is the Horoscopes with their album, Noche de Brujas. Uh, the Horoscopes uh, is a horror punk band from the Mexican Sonora Desert. Night of the Witch. You are correct. 
I guess witches if it's plural, Ooh, right? Oh, you're right. And uh, they did this entire EP in Spanish, so I thought that was fun and different from their previous work. Coming in at number four is possibly the biggest band on this list. You Ice know? Nine Kills? Ice Nine Kills with their uh, follow-up to the Silver Scream, Welcome to Horrorwood. Shout out, Shainsaw. Uh, number three is Meteor King with their album Deep Crimson. Number two, one of my all-time fucking favorites, even from the MySpace days, blood-sucking zombies from outer space, Shock, Rock, Rebels. And number one, I liked this album so much. I knew it was going to be number one like when I first heard it. This was back in April of last year. I was just like, this is so fucking good. I can't wait. I've been planning this moment, duh, for nine months. Just so I can say, I had a baby. Uh, Wouldn't that be awful? That'd be the worst day ever. And and this is my last episode, guys. I can't do it no more because I got a fucking kid. No, no, never mind. Go ahead. (laughs) My number one. Was that too heavy? Was that too much? No, I I was going to make a joke that's unseasonable. And with that, Eric, what's your number one? I'd like to hear the joke now. I'll tell you later. Okay. Uh, My number one is The Mismiths with their album Every Night is like Halloween. Now, I would say that my favorite track off of this album is the title track, but I know you only like to do like 30 seconds of song. So I thought I'd go with something that's a little bit more quick because every night like Halloween has a bit of an intro. Here is Screaming Like a Banshee. Just a little background on the Misfits there. They started out as a Smiths and Misfits cover <laughs> band, hence the name Miss Smiths. And then last year they put out an album of original songs. And it really is like, and they have two singers. One guy does like the Morrissey type ripoff vocals. And then the other guy does like the danzig horror punk type vocals. And it's such a beautiful uh, mashup. It was my favorite album of 2021. I feel like that was better constructed than like our whole fucking podcast. So good job, Eric. Even though I didn't have a complete list and I was just talking out my ass. Yes, I talking out my ass. Talking about my ass. Talking out my ass. Talking out my ass. Yes, so I hope you enjoyed that 30 seconds that was available because of fair use laws. Yes. Uh, you know, I wanted to do my the, like the best impression of I could from Night of the Creeps, uh, which it wasn't good though. But maybe you can do a better one. Screaming like Banshee. You don't want to do it? Okay, let's keep it going. We're on to our fucking uh, the main event. The, the the reason you're here, uh, certainly not to listen to me, but to hear our favorite films of 2021. The feature presentation. I guess let's do some. Uh, Wait, play okay. the music. <laughs>
we had it in our head. We were dancing over here. Yes, but Man. you heard it out there, didn't and you? And speaking of Grindhouse, the Death Game Blue got uh, delayed. Back. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess something's wrong with the slipcover. No so, surprise there. So they're going to reprint them all. Or if you're a distributor, you call it an O card, like an O face. Uh, I just want to watch the fucking film. And so <laughs> I feel like it looks like you're drinking alcohol, but it's so, water. So, so to make up for it, they sent out a 20% off code that's good for any film from their site. I literally own every single Grindhouse wow. film on Blu-ray. Wow. So if you guys want a 20% off code, I'll give it to you. I'll buy Death Game with it. Okay, I'll give it to you. There you I'll go, text it to you now, duh. Fuck you. Well, not right this second, okay. duh. We got a podcast to run sure, here, I'll duh. Give you a fucking promo code. Sorry <clears throat> that you couldn't beat it. Keegan's Yeah, I next stole it me. out from under yeah. you. With that, Eric, it's time for our top 10 of 2021. Oh, we're not doing it in 2007? Oh, shit. Number one, <laughs> Inside. Let me pull out another list here. <laughs> <laughs> but you have it already written out? <laughs> no, I got it on my phone. All right, Eric. Uh, let's do what? What do you want to do? So we already talked about the year at large. It was the year we went back to the theater. Yes. But it's also kind of a weird year in that sense because we really didn't have theatrical films in the same way all year. We had a few right, uh, interspersed with a couple, uh, you know, duds. Okay. Dumps. Okay. And uh, let's talk about the dumps. Let's talk about them dumps, Doc, because I love taking dumps. I took a shit the other day, Doc. I was like proud of. I was like, wow, it just keeps coming. And I was real confident at work, knowing that I was going to have to take a shit while there. <laughs> and with that, Eric. Um, Too much? Okay, sorry. Dumps Don. of the year. You ready? Dumps of the year. 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 Okay, so my okay. first dump of the year okay, please, is wait. going to be The Unholy. Oh, wow. I didn't even fucking watch it, duh. Eric, what's a bad movie you saw this year? I'll do it. Oh my God. Did you watch Initiation, that college nope. special? Nope. Real turd. Okay, I got but sorry, we're here to celebrate films. E Dog didn't like it. Maybe you will. Yeah, I guess we shouldn't have done this dump of the year first, but, for, but it was because you're talking about dumps. I'm talking about dropping bombs, da. Another. You're talking about films that got dumped. My next two dumps of the year <laughs> The Forever Purge. Oh, I like The Forever Purge. Yikes, da. It's not on my list, but I actually just like rewatched it. Yikes, Can I tell you a story about the Forever Purge? Sure. Okay, I'm so glad. Okay, so one day... It's only our top 10 of 2021. <laughs> tell us a story about the Forever <laughs> Purge, Doc. I, I like... Okay, I've said this a hundred times. The idea of the Purge is fucking terrifying. Absolutely. Okay, so Amazon had it on sale, the 4K, for $10. And I was like... Good price. Okay, you know, I don't have a 4K TV, but I'm going to fucking buy the film, right? You're going to buy one at some point. At some point. You're riding along. I'm riding along. You know, here comes the 4K TVs. So... <laughs> So I order it, I get a copy, and it's in this weird plastic. Oh, I got that. My spiral came like that. and I was, It's like a slip, like you have to open the top of it. I thought maybe it was like, uh, my first impression was like, it was like a protective plastic, like, you know, like bubble wrap. Yeah. It, but it wasn't that. And I was like, what the fuck, you know? And so I rip off that plastic and, you know, it's got the O card. Ooh, Ooh distributor dog. And the disc is sealed. And I was like... I mean, the, the case. Okay. The case is sealed. And I'm like, okay, that's weird, you know? And so, you know, about maybe a year ago, I finally started using my digital codes. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to redeem this. And when I do, you know what it tells me? It's already redeemed. Yeah. Yeah. Is there someone out there like running a scam on Must Amazon? Be. Must be. Where they reseal it, send it back? I got spiral like that. It's in like a fake sealed case. Yeah. So, 
I mean, that's a bummer, Doc. Whatever. I mean, it doesn't fucking matter, but like, I don't know. That kind of bummed me out. Remember when you used to give me all your digital codes? Yeah, I do. Those are the days. Those were my the final days. dump of the year. Okay, lay it on me. Is a controversial one. Wait, can, can I stop you real quick? You sure. don't like the Forever Purge, period? No. Period? Nope. Okay. I feel it falls apart at the end, but otherwise I like it. I mean, I liked the commentary it was trying to put forth, but I thought it was just so badly written. It was like, huh. it, I thought I was watching like a life, like worse than a Lifetime movie. Huh. E-Dog likes it. Please continue. Another controversial in my final is Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. Oh, fuck. I didn't even... I forgot about that movie. Me too. That's why it's a dump of the year. I, I apologize for starting with this. I thought it was funny to say dump of the year because you were talking about taking a shit, Dom. I mean, that's funny to me. Okay. <laughs> we'll keep going. So, Eric, anything you want us to do before, like, you know, let's do let's do TV. I'm, I'm going to say what I say every fucking year, Dom. Okay. Is another good year? Absolutely. Minus the dumps. I feel like... There wasn't as much incredible stuff, but it was a great year. Yeah. When I look at my list, I see 10 films I love. Has there been a year of horror films where you're like, yeah, this is a shit. I mean, unless you're every fucking asshole on Twitter. We're horror fans, Eric. I'll find shit to like. Right. Okay. Eric, what was your favorite TV? Midnight Mass, Doc. Same here. I want to watch it again so bad. I really hope Netflix puts out a blue. I mean, chances are slim, but you know, they did Hill House and Bly Manor. Yep. And one of the biggest things, one of the biggest reasons I would have to rewatch it would be to show it to my mom. Yeah. But my mom is this devout-ass Catholic that should be fucking canonized. And when I told her what it was, she was like, oh, I'm not watching that. It was funny because I actually, my mom may listen to this or may not. She probably won't. But I told her, I said, you should watch Midnight Mass. And, you know, my mom's a devout Catholic. Like, she's big time Catholic, big deal to her. We were both, Eric and I were both raised Catholic. And I told her, I said, look, it like challenges the religion. But I said, that wasn't what I got out of it. And that'll just lead to me to just quickly speak on Midnight Mass, which we've done. I know that. But um, it really wasn't what spoke to me in the same way that it did everyone else. I liked that aspect of it. Mm. But the part of it that I just, I've still thought about to this day uh, is the, and I've said it. So when you're going to be like, oh yeah, you said that. Um, the, the idea of accepting one's death mm. and accepting death in general I found to be so profound and I hadn't seen explored in this way. And actually to the point where if you're a certain kind of person, it could, it might be triggering. I'm not even Mm. sure. It's very, very serious. And I found it like, there's like a catharsis in this show of accepting death and one's death. And it made me like actually challenge, like, you know, the way I feel like we're all so afraid of dying, but this show made me think like, Oh yeah, like we're all just people trying to get by here and you don't know when it's your time, that type mm-hmm. of thing. Not to be morbid, I'm saying like you don't know when it's your time. You don't sure. know when you're going to go, you know, so you have to enjoy the things while you have them. Mm. And I know you may think, well, you're reading a little too much into that because Midnight Mass was more about those other themes, but there was just this, there's a scene in which two characters talk to each other, Riley and um, what's her name? I don't remember the character in the show. I'm afraid I don't either. Katie, love interest. Katie Siegel, yes. um, her character and there was a line in it that I've been thinking about since. And I don't know if it's a quote from something, but in the scene, in the context, they're talking uh, to each other about what they think will happen after they die. And she says one line that just, I think is the greatest, like the, the, the best part of the show for me, which I feel like no one else will care as much about. But again, things speak to you. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. She has a line that's, uh, they're talking about what happens after you die. And she says, we are the cosmos dreaming of itself. Mm. And I want to end my talk on this. Uh, show with that because I just thought it was 
It is so good. So fucking good. Their conversations are incredible. The ending just made me like, I don't want to say like actively weep, but it made me feel it inside. Mm. Loved it. Midnight Mass. Eric, Loved anything you want to speak on it? No. Other than, you know, I mean, I, I fucking love it. Sure. I get the fuck out. <laughs> Midnight Mass, though. Yeah. So good. Uh, secondary would be Yellow Jackets, but that kind of bled into this year. And that was TV, Eric? Well, uh, yeah. I don't know of any other horror TV. That <laughs> I don't either. Especially. 1883? Just kidding. Yeah. What about. Yeah. We'll do that last. Okay. So let's get to honorable mentions. Let's get to honorable mentions. Eric, you go. Let you talk. I need you. You okay. need to help me. Uh, I was so confident this was going to make my fucking list. Uh, and it didn't. It just barely got nudged out. Uh, but it's the vigil. Oh, sure. Um, this is also on my honorable mentions. Okay, good. Uh, it's about uh, a man who has recently left uh, the Jewish religion because of a traumatic experience that he's had. Um, in the Jewish religion, there is something called a shomer. Uh, these are people that will stay with the dead body until the body can be collected. They're supposed to pray over it to ward off any evil spirits. Um, our main character is going to be the shomer for a night of a man who is haunted by a, a ghost of Jewish lore called a mezek. It, it feeds on people who have had some type of traumatic uh, past. And this man must find a way to not only stop it, but stop it from clinging on uh, to him. I'm a big baby and this shit scared the fuck out of me. I'm going to stop saying that I'm a big baby, but this shit was fucking scary to me. Yeah, I mean, so you had actually sold this film to me. You were the one that... I mean, I had seen the vigil, the a little bit of the hype, but I probably was not going to watch it. Mm. And we did a podcast and, and Eric was like, you have to see it. It scared the fuck out of me. So I watched it and it definitely is on my honorable mentions. Um, I wanted to fit it in, but ultimately it didn't again. Like you're going to hear me use the phrase a lot. So I want to get it out of the way. Like it, it ultimately didn't speak to me in the same way. My favorite films of the year did, but it was scary as hell. And I'm just going to say it's fucking sick. Mm. Like it's, it's dope as hell. So definitely watch the vigil. Um, I remember when we talked about it, when I reviewed it with you, uh, that I, I sort of saw it as like a cultural horror film of a culture that I don't necessarily mm. um, get to see a lot of. You know, you said it was about the Jewish faith and tradition. And so I'd never heard of a Shomer. Right. You know, and so like generally you see, we watch a lot of horror films that are about culture that we know. Like if we were to talk about, for instance, um, you know, The Conjuring, right? It's it's actually Catholicism, Catholicism yeah. right? And Midnight Mass is about Catholicism. So it is kind of interesting to say like those things, you know, we know what they're talking about. And what was so cool, I will say about The Vigil was learning about like that. I, and I know it's a horror film about like mystical, you know, creatures in a way. Sure. But uh, it was still cool to hear about like their, uh, something I'm not used to. And, and I mean- and to kind of put a bow on it for myself, uh, that's kind of what I love about horror now. It's sure. just so inclusive that we can have a Jewish fucking yes. horror film and one that's really fucking good. Yeah, and it you know exploring something that I know nothing about. Right. Uh, I I really really like the vigil. Made my uh, uh, honorable, honorable mentions mention. as well. Yeah. All right, you got another one. You want me to another keep one? Going? Uh, you go again. Okay. Uh, Werewolves uh, Within. This is uh, uh, Josh Rubin's second film, I believe. This is on my honorable mentions as well. Oh, okay. This is what I would call my number 11. Really? So it just got nudged out? Yeah. Huh? I just watched it a few nights ago with my brother. Uh, please go ahead, Eric. Tell us what Werewolves Within is. Were okay. I'm sorry, Werewolves. My bad. 
Yes, I didn't catch what you said, but he dodged just going to keep it fucking going. Duh. Uh, it's about this man. He is a uh, postal ranger. He moves <laughs> to a small town where uh, somebody's killing somebody. Yes. And they don't know what it is, and they all get trapped inside an inn. And uh, if you can guess from the title, it's a werewolf. There might be a werewolf. But there's just a lot of fucking uh, humor in it, and that's why I liked it so much. Uh, did you see his his other film, Scare Me? I did see Scare I Me. I never did see yes, Scare Me. It's of equal humor. Is I it say. better? No. No, I definitely like werewolves uh, within Okay, more. But like 100% like watch Scare Me now that yeah. you're acquainted with Josh Rubin's comedy style. Um, this was just like fun. This was like... You know, I said I always like run for the comedy section when I play the ultimate horror trivia edition. Yeah. Like, I would hope a question about Werewolves Within would be there because it's such a fun, silly film. Yeah, I I really liked it. Tried to fit it in. Ultimately, again, I felt like the films that are on my list are like bigger and better mm. for me. But uh, the the comedy hit home perfect. Uh, it's he's obviously. Um, I'll just say like from his writing, I could tell that we're pretty similar politically. Right. So never the left. <laughs> yeah. So it was pretty funny. Um, so I'm sure that's why a lot of people like in the horror genre like it so much. Mm. I did too. Loved all of that humor. Um, love this, this, this main two characters I think are incredible. These, the actors, I don't know that I know what that the girl's name is Milena something. Um, I don't remember. But uh, anyways, they're great. And yeah, I thought it was awesome. This, I did want to compare to last year, did make my list. Uh, this reminded me so much of The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Oh, okay. But that film- That'd be a good double. That film had like a, this film is like pure fun. And The Wolf of Snow Hollow spoke to me more because it had like this melancholy about it. Right. Uh, it felt very David Lynch in its humor. And that spoke to me more. It's It's sort of- more serious tone mixed with comedy. Right. And this was just fun. And I really, really like it. But uh, Werewolves Within uh, liked it, but didn't didn't make my list. I was thinking because they're both werewolf films in the snow. Yes. But also like the comedy and the writing is, is very similar. I'm very superficial when it comes to like linking two films for a double feature. <laughs> right. No, that's a perfect double feature. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So that was... That was Werewolves Within, an honorable mention for Honorable us. mention. So another honorable mention for me, I don't think you saw. Right on me, G. M. Night Shyamalan's Old. I did not see Old. So, okay. Old is not perfect. It's not, I w I'm not sure it's even great. But it's really good. I'm not good. sure it's even on my list, to be honest. I really liked it. Uh, this is a film that when I left, I thought, man, that was a lot of fun. And then I kind of got home and everybody was like, eh, it sucks. And I was like, well, I'm on board for a mystery doc. Yeah, I mean. Your dog loves a mystery. The only thing I had a problem with with Old was simply it wasn't bloody enough. That was it. Oh, like it was PG-13, I, yeah? Yes. I really liked it, and I went into it thinking The Ruins. And The uh, Ruins is a fucking uh, nasty fucking movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and okay. this isn't. It, 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 it sort of hints at that sort of nastiness but doesn't show any of it and so i was definitely disappointed by that but in terms of the film like if this had gore shots like the ruins this would be on my list this would be oh, my favorite of the year so i really did like it again ultimately um let's just say of course it's an m night film so if you've seen old you know ultimately is the ending the greatest thing ever no but but i really liked it i really liked the journey i thought these actors are are, are acting their asses off on a script that's not perfect and I really, really like his filmmaking. I love his visual style and his visual storytelling aesthetic that M. Night always brings to everything. 
I'm currently still watching Servant on Apple TV Plus, and I love that show. He doesn't direct all of it, but when he did, it was fucking sick. So it's interesting Does how he like write it all. Uh, he wrote most of it. And I'm not sure he's writing it anymore. Oh, uh, but he's the showrunner gotcha. on it. Um, actually, someone actually. we're going to get to. I'm pretty sure Julia Ducournau. Okay, to uh, directed some of the episodes and some of the best episodes of Servant. But anyways, I wasn't talking about that. I really like Servant. Servant's actually like amazing. Uh, hmm. Old is just fun and good. So don't think if you need something to watch, you'll like old, but it's definitely not amazing. That was old. My honorable mention, Eric, what's your next one? Uh, the boy behind the door. Uh, this is another film that I thought may have made my list. Uh, it's about two children. Uh, I'm going to say 11 or 12. We're always talking about children in Pearl. Dog. This is some motherfucking children in Pearl. Uh, they get kidnapped. I'm not even sure they can hear you. They get, when you, they get <laughs> kidnapped. These Go two ahead. kids. And uh, children of Burrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these two kids, uh, they're best friends. Uh, they have plans to go see the ocean together in California. Uh, they're kidnapped and one escapes. And as he's making a run for it, he can hear the other one crying. So he oh. decides he's got to turn around. So uh, the other kid uh, sneaks into the house and the person that's in the house doesn't know that there's two of them. Oh. So one is able to like, he has to like sneak around the entire time. Think, don't breathe. Yeah, that sounds cool. And he doesn't know where the kid is. He can hear him, but he doesn't know where he is. Is it like set piece driven, like don't breathe? Right, where like... Uh, hide, you know, run across the hall, like hide, you know, shit like it's that. A, it's exactly that. Okay, cool. Or maybe a new character comes to the house and he sees him and now he's got to find a way how to deal with okay. uh, this new guy. Uh, I really, really, really like this one. This one was a, a lot of fun, uh, especially because um, I guess just I uh, 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 turning into a robot. Uh, uh, I liked it because it's like don't breathe the Amblin version. Sure. Okay. Cool. If that makes any sense. No, that sounds awesome. And that's what? What is that? That is the boy behind the door. And I of course saw that have some hype, but I didn't see it. I didn't see it. It's pretty good, though. <laughs> it's pretty good, though. Yeah. Okay. I'm uh, working nine to five. My next one? All right. Uh, on, I'm going to say an honorable mention for me is uh, Alexander Aja's Oxygen. Oxygen. Ooh. Yeah, you didn't like it. I loved it. Yeah. Loved Oxygen. Yeah. That's one of those films where the rating I gave it on Letterbooks, Letterbooks, uh, it's this great new app where you log the books you've just read. Um uh, Letterbox is where I'm just lying, and I don't want people to think I'm a fucking asshole. Why would you lie though? Because I don't want people to think. Maybe I didn't get the film, and I don't want people to know I didn't. What get is the there film. to get about it? Buried in space. I, that's I, it. I'm giving like broad examples. Sure. Of like, okay. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm about to say some shit. It's a confessional. Uh, yeah. I when I watched the Kings Man, I went three and a half, and you know I post on Twitter yeah. the last four I watched. After I posted that, I went back and gave it a four. So you lied about a film being good? Yeah, because you know the consensus is that it's not good, but I fucking loved it, so I didn't want other people to know that I loved it that much. Eric, that's sad. That's wild, that's isn't it? That's sad, and you know who's to blame? Dana Hernandez. Dana, yeah. Yep. Hey, Dana, what's up? Yep. I think Dana secretly listens to our podcast and doesn't tell us. <laughs> I think he does. Oh, what else does that guy do? He has nothing else to do in his fucking life. No, that's true, but... I'm just kidding. <laughs> but let us, hey, Dana, if you're listening. He just barely started following us on Instagram. 
I think what else would he have to do? I think it'll take another five to ten years to get him to come around to actually listening to a full episode. Dana is one of Eric's best friends, and he supposedly doesn't listen to the podcast, but I think he's and lying. And we're constantly just fighting and arguing. Over, like, dumbass movies. Over film yeah. and music. Yeah. Music. That's really sad. Yeah. Um, okay. What was that? Uh, the boy behind the door. Okay. Oh, oh oxygen. Man. Oh, fuck. Oxygen. Oh, oxygen. We're on oxygen. My bad. So Alex Hodges oxygen. We need it to breathe. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna start rolling through these quicker. Uh, Alex Hodges oxygen is simply uh, Melanie Laurent. Yes. Um, trapped in a pod in space. Uh, let's just say that. It's buried in space. She has to communicate in a pod to try to figure out where she is, why she is, and if she can escape. Buried in space. Um, love shit like this. Love shit like this. Love Aja. Melanie Laurent is great to look at. Great actress. It's directed by one of my favorite directors of all time. Mm. Honorable mention, Oxygen. It's on Netflix. Definitely watch it. I got a controversial honorable mention. And I've watched this movie three times. I don't like where this is to going. Make nah. sure. Last night in Soho. Oh, oh, oh! I just admitted something ow. that I wouldn't have admitted on Letterboxd. Yeah, uh, we'll I really we'll get like we'll this, get to that. I really want to like this film, Daw. You didn't like it? It's a bit too bloated for easy. I could see that. Um, you know, we'll talk it a bit in a bit. Okay. So we'll 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 Which wait. Which is crazy because I love fucking Ed Gray, Daw. The man's flawless to me. And then I came every single time I've seen this film, it's just been a shoulder. I turn into the shoulder shrugging emoji. Even like the first half, like the dancing and shit is like fucking great. But then when it turns into the ghost story, I think it's bullshit. Ooh, cut that out. I don't know if I want to. I'm not going to cut that out. I don't out. know if I want to feel that. I got you, Doc. I don't know if I want to be that uh, strong against an Edgar Wright film because I love him. So like, I, we'll talk last night in Soho, but we'll I think like the final. So the, the movie's over two hours long. The final 30 minutes, I think, spirals a little bit. But the first hour and a half is like one of the fucking best things I've ever seen. If you don't feel that way, no? Like, I, I'd prefer if it like wasn't a horror film. I'd prefer if it was just about like 60s nightlife. I was going to say, but when Anya Taylor-Joy is dancing in that club uh-huh. in the dress, you don't think that's like the burlesque show? Pure cinema. But she's all like sad and miserable. I'm not enjoying that. No, no, no. Early on when she first goes. Oh, when she's first trying out yeah. with Jack. Yeah, that shit's ever. great. Yeah, that shit's phenomenal. We'll talk last night in Soho. Okay, we will. <laughs> okay. Whenever we finally get to our list, I got beat. Jesus, Eric. Yeah. I just drank this fucking water, dog. Why'd you drink that whole thing? Because it's good. Okay, we'll keep going. We'll get to our list in a minute. Uh, another honorable mention for me. Yo. And I'm excited about this one. Yo. I almost wanted to put this on my list. Yo. Because um, I thought this was a lot better than I was seeing, and I think we may talk about it a bit. Okay. A lot better than I was seeing online. Uh, Antlers. Mm. I thought it was really cool and very fucking like I wouldn't consider mean spirited, but uh very frightening imagery is what I would call this. Um, some stuff. Are you rocking back and forth? Cause you got to pee. Yes. Just go doc. <laughs> Sorry. We dog. will be right back. Sorry. Dog. I got it's okay. Dog. You got to pee. You got to pee. <clears throat> 
And we're back from Eric Hoff's pee break. Uh, and that's well, number three, dog. We set a record this know, episode. Know. Usually it's me that's going to the bathroom I the whole time. I also might have a bladder condition. I don't know. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we just came off of your shocking last night in Soho reveal that it's on your honorable mentions. Yeah, I know. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about last night in Soho. But uh, while Eric was using the bathroom, we uh, Eric received a message from someone that listens to the podcast. Yeah. So I posted a picture. A, fr- a friend of ours. I, yes. Uh, I posted a picture of you on uh, my story, story yes. on Instagram, and uh, Log Lady replied. Shout out, Log Lady. Yeah. Uh, and what she says in this post is something I totally fucking believe in. Yes. Uh, holy shit! I just re-listened. I just re-listened to the last two newer episodes, and was going to post about it to quote unquote manifest it out there to have a new episode soon. LOL. Guess in some way it worked. Ha ha. Wild. Nah, this shit happens all the time, but it can't be about stuff I think about to happen. You know what I mean? It has to be like I gave it some thought and then I forgot about it and then oh shit, it happened. Yeah. Vlog lady. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. So you manifested be- because this of episode. You, yeah. We're here recording. All right. Uh, you just said shout out, log lady. Shout out, log lady. <laughs> um, shout out, David Lynch. Do you know what log lady's reference? Do you to? prefer log X lady? Let us know. Yeah, let going. us know in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know uh, what that's a reference to? Uh, Twin Peaks. Okay. I was like, if you don't, that'd be weird. I watched like the first like 12 episodes with my mom. I love Twin Peaks and I don't want to talk about it right now. What's not? Okay. Uh, one of my honorable mentions is uh, controversial for me because I really wanted it to make my list and okay. it is Spiral. Oh, damn. You know what? I like Spiral. I do not too. on my either list. Yeah. I mean, I really liked Spiral. I really did. You know, I mean, it didn't, it didn't like, you know, it's not, it's, it's no Scream 5. No. It's no Halloween that. Kills. It's no Halloween Kills. But it had Bloodshed and Jigsaw-ish. This is, this is both true. So I liked Spiral. It had Chris Rock in a backwards hat, which is a fun homage. That's correct. Yeah. So I like Spiral. It's I on like my Spiral. own mentions. I'll move on from that. Eric, what's your next one? I guess I kind of want to stop giving um, honorable mentions. Good. But, um... I really liked The Deep House and Candisha. Okay. But I suppose not enough to have them. Uh, I was not super into The Deep House, which was frustrating because I, I love it scary. Like when they find that fucking cross. Yeah. That was like, that was some, you talk about scary imagery from Antlers. Sure. I thought that was scary imagery. And then when the fucking, when they wake up, if, you, if you've seen the film, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah. Deep House is cool, but I think, you know, you fuck is cool. So you enjoyed um, Candisha more than the Deep House? I was House? going to say Candisha for me was like the, the Bustio and Mori film of the year. You know what I thought was my favorite part in the Deep House was when they start chanting, that Deep House, that Deep House, that Deep House, that Deep House. We'll get to that. So uh, anyways. Damn, you got Candisha on your tin? We'll get to that. Shit. So uh, I really, or you liked, uh, what was it, Deep House? I liked it as well. Yeah. Uh, I'll keep going, Eric. Uh, my honorable mentions, Don't Breathe too. Oh, you know what? I like Don't Breathe 2. I, I would have put that on an honorable mention too. I actually kind of liked it a lot. I feel like there's like films that like I liked a lot, but they're not on my list. Like right. that, The Forever Purge, Spiral. I like those movies. Can't believe you like Forever Purge. But they're not going to be on this list. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I can't believe you like Forever Purge. You know uh, what, Doc? Let's stay controversial. You want to know what I got on here? Nope. Okay. Keep going, Doc. What do you got on there, Doc? Tatan is not on my top 10. No surprise there. That's another one that I lied about on Letterboxd. That's more of a two and a half. That's crazy. Don't we'll get to that. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you're like, fuck Eric, we'll get to Tatan. That, that's fine. So keep going. I think most people feel that way about me. 
I don't want to do any more honorable mentions. I'm done. I'm wrapping okay. up with honorable mentions. Uh, I think I was in the middle of Antlers. I just wanted to say that oh, yeah. there's shit in that movie that I thought looked looked really scary. The film itself, I don't think it's like scary, scary, but uh, stuff that I thought was cool and hell. You got Jesse Plemons and Carrie Russell. You got Jesse Plemons with a mustache. Absolutely. We got Lance Landry in a mustache. Yep. And I thought it was... Um, I'm that, here to confirm. That director uh, should do more horror because he, he did, um, I think, Hostiles. Hostels, that yeah, that uh, western with Christian Bell. Yeah, yeah dog, this episode is a Christian Bell episode. I love Christian Bell. I love Christian Bell too. Who doesn't? Uh, one more honorable mention for me, Eric, and it is Ghostbusters Afterlife. I liked it. You didn't like it? Why not? Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Eric's so upset that I'm asking you. <laughs> Uh, I don't know anything about Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. Well, that, yeah, it's a, it's the Force Awakens. So there was so much stuff in there that like. But here's the thing: I'm not a Star Wars guy. I loved Force Awakens. Well, I still do. J.J. Abrams. But what I'm getting at is like, is there a bunch of nostalgia shit in Force Awakens that I'm unaware of? Well, maybe a little bit, but I mean, you're aware. But like, there's a part when uh, Egon's granddaughter pulls out a candy wrapper and it lingers on it for like 25 seconds. I don't know what the fuck that meant. Spoilers for Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, candy wrapper. Spoiler. Fuck you. You said who that she is. Oh, that's not revealed that's not, early. That's that's not established in the film. Uh, not that early. In the trailer. In the trailer. In the teaser trailer. In the fucking trailer. It's been a struggle. And with that, uh, okay. we're done. <laughs> I, mean, I also am going to say here. Horror, is it? I'm going to get in that's trouble. It's in the genre. I'm going to get comedy. in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble because I'm going to say that also on my fucking uh, honorable mentions is Fear Street. The whole thing of Fear Street. We'll get there. I know. I figured we would. <laughs> we'll get there. Eric and I, of course, don't know each other's list. But yeah, Fear Street was cool, but not quite as cool as Eric thinks it is. Damn. And with that, nah. And with that, nah. Bitch. Okay, sorry. You think I give a fuck. I was just giving another example. I know. Eric, it's now time for... Me to go pee again. Eric, to go pee again. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, It's now time. I'm to make it like three films in. Our top 10 of 2021. We're very excited to do this. You know, obviously we like to fuck around and say a bunch of stupid shit. Uh, because that's our podcast, but man, it's been such a uh, ramp up to this episode, and I could not be more excited to share with Eric and you all the mm-hmm. ten films I like. But it's not about me; it's about us. Yep. Eric, I think you should go first. Okay, number ten. Oh, it's a big deal. Here we go. Number ten of twenty twenty one. Is a film that E Dog just liked a lot. That's why it's on my list. I'm talking about. Shout Factories and Sci-Fi Channels. Slumber Party Massacre. Cool. Is awesome. This, is this one you saw, Dad? I have not seen it yet. Okay, Dad. I will. I will. Here's here's the thing, Dad. Don't sell it to me, Dino. No. Tell me how why you liked it. I'm trying to get to that, <laughs> You're <laughs> stopping <laughs> Okay. Okay. Tell me why you liked it, Dad. In da. the summer of 2021, there was a storm in Carlsbad, New Mexico. It was a storm that was so violent, it caused my neighbor's carport to land on my roof and put a hole in the toy room. Okay. When it would rain, it would leak in the... It would pour. It would leak in the goddamn closet, da. Thank God, da. Okay. I had to get somebody to fix the exterior. I had to get somebody to fix the interior. This is the toy room, da. You think I want water damage in the toy room? Fuck no. So I had to take down every single goddamn toy in the toy room for whenever this guy came over to fix the interior uh, of the ceiling, right? 
So now, fucking four months later or five months later, you know, I can't do simple addition. I'm finally getting around to putting my toys back up. Okay. Now, can I ask you something about that? Please. Doesn't it feel awful when you, the shit that you're collecting and you love, you genuinely love, becomes just like items? Here's the thing. I get what you're saying. But like when I was taking them out of the boxes, it almost felt like I was reuniting with old friends. I was like, oh shit, no, I got this toy? I agree with that. Holy fuck, but I what, got this fucking Bubba Hotep? When they pi- when you when you when you take them off the wall oh, and right. they're no longer displayed right. now now it's like an inconvenience. It's just trash, right? And that's right. I've told you that. Remember with my Blu-rays and shit, right. I love them. I still love them. But until I can properly like display them, it's just fucking boxes of garbage. I when did, they're displayed and I can see them as a collection, right. I love them. But I hate. They almost feel like nothing. I hate that whenever they're not. So, anyways, you're putting them back on the wall. I had this idea for a skit. Oh, I'm sorry. A skit? A what? You know, like maybe it could be like an Instagram story where I'm rummaging through one of these boxes and who's ever filming it could be like, what are you looking for? And I could be like, Candyman, bitch! And then literally pull out a Candyman toy that I have and be like, found him! Okay, so I'm finally getting... That's like the level of like, never never mind, Eric, please go ahead. I thought it was a good idea. Okay, so I'm... Finally getting around to putting them back up, and I'm almost done. And this relates to your top 10. Oh, E-Dog's getting there. <laughs> E-Dog is getting there. Okay, this is important. Okay. Okay, so I have, you know, all of my characters, you know, whatever franchise they're a part of together. But then I also have they're a part wall of. that's just like random characters, you know, franchises that aren't big enough to have an entire line. I mean, would you care to know how many Jasons I have? How many Freddies I have? I don't know. I haven't counted, but it's fucking a lot. Anyways, I want all my supernatural characters together. I want all my slashers together, you know? Okay. I kind of cheat because several figures are part of NECA's cult classic line, so I have them together. You know, they all have the same card, the same packaging. Anyways, one figure that I have is Rust Thorn, uh, which From is the original Slumber Party Master. Yeah, right. Uh, this is something NECA did in collaboration with Shout Factory, Scream Factory, whenever they re-released the film as a still book. Um, and the packaging, and this is like iconography of the original film, we see the drill, and it's like girls looking up at it. And like, the drill's his dick, right? Yeah. Right. Same thing as the uh, Maniac poster. Right, exactly. So it's these three women... In between his legs, looking up at his dick, right? What they did with the 2021 remake, one of the reasons I like it so much, is they flipped that around to have that happen to men. That shot is in the film, but instead of a woman, instead of a woman, excuse me, I can't talk, I never can, I can't do math either. It's a dude. There's other great moments where instead of women, you know, scantily dressed having a pillow fight it's men that are scantily dressed and having a pillow fight on top of that that's what e-dog wants to see uh there's several uh guy characters who can't even be bothered to have a name they're guy one and they're guy two i'm gonna get into a little bit of spoiler territory here you learn that these girls are there to kill russ they're not there to be hapless victims they're there to fucking kill russ 
And I fucking love that. And I was trying to think like, what are some other films that are like that? And one that immediately came to mind is like, Scream is like that. Like, uh, Sydney and Gil, like they already have their mind made up. Like we're going to fucking kill. Yeah. Whoever this is. Uh, death proof is another one, you know, where they decide they're going to fucking kill. Yes. Uh, Kurt Russell subverting that expectation. Yeah. So I just love how it's about these like badass women that ain't going to take no shit. And we're going to make fun of what you've come to expect from these films. And my question would be like, obviously commentary wise, that's awesome. My question would be, is the film good? Like yeah. the rest of the filmmaking. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. 100%. I mean, that's no, fucking awesome. Who doesn't like a camp slasher? Hey, <laughs> count me in. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, that, that's I, awesome. I really, really liked it. I know I was like high on drugs a lot last year. And I, <laughs> and I said that I liked it more than Halloween Kills. You'll Eric, soon learn that that's not the case. Eric I, is joking about being high on drugs. I, am I? Uh, we'll never I, I, know. I've reevaluated each film. I've rewatched both films multiple times, and ultimately, Slumber Party is only number ten. Sure. Uh, so I've come around. I'm clear headed. I'm in rehab. I'm on step seven of the twelve step program. Let's not make light of, <laughs> of alcohol. Oh, Slumber Party Massacre. Okay, yes. you're yeah. right. Yeah. Okay, I really, really like it. And Keegan and others who haven't seen the film, I definitely need to see. Uh, it. It's uh, shout. Just put it, put it out on a uh, blue blue. Uh, please watch Slumber Party Massacre. So you've Dom. seen it three times? I've seen it no, three that's awesome. fucking times. That's great, Dom. I'm glad you liked the movie. Can I go pee again? Are you... See- Fuck, Dom. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Dom. We're never going to get through this episode. It's okay, Dom. So, Slumber Party is my number 10. Slumber Party Massacre remake. Yes, Well, reboot. Reimagining. All the above. Sure. It's not a legacy sequel. It's not a requel. I can tell you that. I want to quote like the new Scream, but we don't want to spoil it. Fans uh, are uh, Eric decided is, on the word, something like that. Keep yes. Going. Uh, so, okay, so my number ten. Yes, please. Is a film called. <clears throat> you know this movie. I didn't. Um, uh, okay, so a buddy of ours, Shane saw Shane. What up, Shane? Uh, he, I think, liked this movie a lot more than I did. But it did. It, it is my number ten, and it's a film called Lamb. Okay. Now here's the thing with Lamb. Not it, not really that much of a horror movie, but it's as much of a horror movie as like anything is these days. Because we're getting a lot of this where it's sort of like pseudo horror. Like not to. I don't want to coin a new term. <laughs> but, <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah, folks. exactly. But you know, as my number ten, I felt like this was the place to put it. Uh, I very very much. Um, you know, a lot of times you'll hear me say like, you know, I wasn't sure like as far as the film that I outright loved it until I realized how much I cared about what was happening. And you might think, well, like, of course you care. It's a movie. Yeah. But like, I just saw Moonfall this past weekend and I didn't care about a single thing happening in that movie. Are there aliens in that? Spoilers. I don't know. I don't want to say. Oh, I mean, I would like to know. You can tell me after. I'll tell you later. Okay. <clears throat> so my number 10 being Lamb. You know, this is A24, and I don't know how to say this director's name. But, uh, yeah, I just liked how... Jorgensen Joachimson. Did you make that up? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I just really, really, really liked... Uh, this is a gorgeous film about... Uh, it's very mysterious. This is kind of a mystery box movie. Uh, there's only a few mysteries, but it's very mysterious. It holds everything extremely close to the chest. And I love stuff like this. I love stuff that you have to sit and think... What the fuck's going on here? Um, you know, what I would say what's positive about it is how there's that immediate acceptance. Yeah. 
of the child. Yes. And I feel like there's sort of a, a theme here this year of like people needing love and love needing them. Okay. And we'll talk about that in a bit with another film, but lamb, I felt like that, you know, like this is, this is basically, I don't think it's a huge spoiler to say a couple that has uh, lost a child and they find a child. Uh, I think that's pretty much the best way to put it. If you don't, you know, if you see the lamb trailer, it's pretty clear what's happening. I don't think it's like a huge surprise, but, um, is it not a selling point? Like, is that not how the film? It is, but a couple specific things about it are not revealed until like halfway through the film. And, you know, ultimately is this like a super horror film? No, but, uh, it's tone tone, just dead serious downtrodden, but also like, uh, sweet, and uplifting uh, in some ways, except for uh, the end. The end. Uh, but again, the end appeals to me. You know, I, I, I like shit like this. Um, this is, and, I, and I'm a huge fan of Numi Rapace. Uh, obviously, we love her from. I had no idea that was her until the credits here. You're, <laughs> I had no idea that was her. I wish I could go through life. No, like, I'm, let me say this. Okay. And watch Oblivious movies. No, dark. no, it's not about. It, I, Gotta watch out for a lot of unclean surfaces that are probably fine. The way you watched Lamb, like the way you approach not knowing that that's Numi Rapace, I wish like my brain didn't work that way. But like the moment I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, cool. Like Numi Rapace in a new movie. But you didn't even fucking know it was. I didn't know that was her. That's crazy. And I want to clarify, I want every movie to be my new favorite film. Absolutely. I didn't go into this like hating it. Uh, And I didn't like it. I'm not surprised. Uh, but you know what? That you're talking about the end there. Like that was like almost like too much. Like, blah. that's huh. how I would describe it. Like e dog jerking and just blah. Huh? Yeah. It kind of makes sense. You know, I remember one time recently on this podcast. I would say about a year ago. Okay, let's take it. I back. tried to tell a you that like I like art films more than you do. Okay. That's and fine. you at the time you were like you disagreed. You were like no, like I like film like films arty films more than you do. And I was sort of surprised to hear you say that. Cause you're always like the RoboCop, like, um, uh, violence tits and gore guy. Yes. Which well, let me ask you this. Who's more familiar with Kurosawa in this group? See, <laughs> I want to say you did. <laughs> I want to say you did this last time. And I think last time it was about Westerns. Oh, okay. Maybe. And uh, it's because Westerns aren't art. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just Damn. kidding. Eric. I'm just kidding. Eric. Anyway, uh, dog at Corbucci squad. Uh, I don't want to reveal what happens in lamb. This is my number 10. I love a 24. I just got the 4k. Did uh, you really? Yeah. From a nice. 24 shop. Cool. And I'm hoping they keep doing that. Um, it's exclusive to their shop, right? It's exclusive to their shop. And they did a midsummer, uh, Summer. 4k. And, uh, it was in this huge ass fucking packaging. And I literally refused to order it. Cause I don't, I don't know where the fuck I'd put That's it. How they keep doing it too. No. So lamb they put out and I was actually having this conversation with Shane about it, uh, about ordering it. It's the size of a fucking Blu-ray now, like a oh. Blu-ray case. And okay. I was like, literally I was like, I'll order it. Oh, I meant they keep putting Midsommar out like that. Yes. Oh, they even, and I'm like pissed because but doesn't it come with like a book too or something. Yeah. But the thing's huge. I'm, how the fuck am I going to put that on my shelf? I'm with you. Like I hate like, Excuse me. Never mind. I just I hate whenever like people uh, production companies are like, here's this fucking gigantic set because you really like the movie. Where the fuck are you supposed to put stuff like that? I never want another poster in my life. Exactly. Please do not give me a free poster. Yes. Now Mondo print. Yes. Free poster with it's printed on up your ass. Half cent cardstock. No. Yeah. With that, I love Lamb number ten, Eric. 
your number nine. Uh, the Night House is my oh! number nine. This is David Bruckner's film about a woman whose husband commits Speak suicide. Speak up when you talk about The Night House, Don. And she starts to learn that he may have been living a life that she never knew about. I'm going to do something different on this list. Okay. I'm going to let you talk about The Night House, and I will talk about it later. So, Eric, is tell us. what you always do? We usually start to talk a little bit here and there. I guess yours. I guess the night house is a little higher. I'm not. Yours. You you tell me why you like the night house and oh, why it's your oh, number nine. Oh, okay. I like the night house because it's a horror film. <laughs> no, I, so you as, know, usually as, I as interject. As, is what I'm I'm saying. as I've said a hundred times already on this episode specifically, E Dog loves a mystery, and I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Uh, it's this haunted house film, and it and it very much leaves crumbs for you that you think you've seen before. Okay, so it's this woman, her husband's killed herself. She finds pictures of other women uh, on his phone. Their neighbor has seen him with other women. Okay, so he cheated on her. You're right, you're right. I've seen that I would, before. I would stop there probably. Okay, yeah. and I will. Yeah. Because it goes further than that. So, and then that's where E-Dog was like, holy fucking shit. I, uh, I called this film a Rubik's Cube movie originally. Okay. Uh, another word you could use for it because he's going to direct Hellraiser is a puzzle box movie. Lament. Uh, yes, because uh, I will talk about it in a bit, so I don't want to take over yours. But yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I absolutely agree with everything you're saying so far. Yeah, so I was just, uh, I liked that they set up what, what, should, what feels familiar and then it takes us on this loop, you know, yeah. of trying to figure out or trying to solve uh, what's really gone? What's really going on? Uh, and then when we get that answer, like I didn't fucking see that coming, duh. Definitely, yeah. So you know, I'll, I'll wait to. I'll, we'll talk about uh, it again. Okay. So uh, I like that it's a haunted house film ish mm-hmm. ish uh, that had a, a mystery that strung me along for its entire duration of an hour and forty five minutes. Totally. Yeah. I feel weird not continuing to talk about it, but we'll just talk it again. Okay. That sounds good. Doc, keep going. What my, is your number nine? My number nine is Alexandra Bustillo and Julianne Morris. Aisha Kandisha. Aisha Kandisha. Alicia Kandisha. Alicia Kandisha. Alicia Kandisha. Yo, Alicia Kandisha. Alicia Kandisha. Alicia Kandisha. Whoa. Too much. Excuse me. My number nine is Kandisha. Okay. Wait on, G. So this is a Shudder exclusive film that premiered on Shudder. Kandisha. This is Alexandra Bustillo and Julianne Morris' latest film. Latest film. Yes, exactly. Okay. Moroccan Candyman. Uh, we reviewed it on this podcast already. So if you're an avid listener, uh, of which there are a few. Uh, but if we can count you on one hand. Uh, we can count you on a half a hand, but um, uh, maybe on two fingers. <laughs> but no, you know, if you've heard us talk about Candisha before, um, Moroccan Candyman, you know, and I felt like this film had the same thing I felt with Lamb where like, man, towards the end, like I, you, you can feel it. Like, and maybe people don't think about this in the way that I do, because I feel like I watch so many movies and sometimes it could be great filmmaking, but I don't give a fuck about the characters. Right. And this was a place where I was about an hour in. I thought, man, I really want these girls to figure this out. I really want them to survive. Like I talked about it in my review of Candisha, where I I referenced that clip from uh, cabin in the woods where they say, man, I I was really pulling for this one about the final girl. Right. Right. And I felt like that with Candice. I was like, man, I really want them to like figure this out. You know, the whole horror movie trope of, of conquering the evil. I won't say whether they do conquer the evil or not, but I, I really, really cared. And I just, I felt like I really, really liked these characters and the writing. And I was surprised from 
uh, from these guys to make sort of a fun, funny, uh, big, like Candyman type movie. Right. Um, th- this is definitely not what I would expect from them at all. And uh, it was definitely a surprise. And if you would have asked me Candisha or the Night House, or uh, fuck, the Deep House, I would have I would have said the Deep House is like the one I was more excited about. Mm. And I could not have cared less about the Deep House, which sucks. Wow. No, no, no. I'm not calling the film sucks. I'm saying it sucks that I didn't I wasn't in love with it. That's okay. what I, it Deep House doesn't doesn't suck. I was sad that I I didn't love it. Uh, and I loved Candisha. So obviously I liked it a lot more than you, but um yeah, really like this movie. I could explain what it is, but Moroccan Candyman. Okay. If some boutique company was like, hey, we're putting out Candisha later this year. You're pre-ordering? Oh, 100%. I'm pre-ordering. If anyone does a blue of Candisha ever, I'm buying it. Uh, I really like... I, I like to support those guys. I like to, I'll buy their movies any chance That's I get. That's awesome, though. We got two new fucking films from them. And usually it takes fucking several years to get a movie from them. Right. So... Yeah. so we, you and I often say how uh, spoiled we are. I, I think guess. that's an example of how spoiled we are. No, definitely. It was so cool to get two movies from them and an Aja film. And also, I want to say on French filmmaking, um, I was scrolling I, I very rarely. This is the elitist of me. No, I'm just kidding. But people like this is this is really, I very rarely open Netflix. Very rarely open that app. I was bored one night, opened it to go check out Archive 81. I didn't watch it, but just to watch the, see like how, many episodes they were and stuff. And I uh, went to the horror movie section to see, okay, well, what do they have? Cause I never opened Netflix. And uh, I noticed Netflix currently is streaming incident in a ghost land. Oh wow. The fucking Pascal Laguiri. We don't know how to say his We don't know how to say his name. The martyrs director film. Right. And we both like really liked that movie. And I was really like, is that uncut on there? Cause that mm, movie's pretty fucked up. Right. Um, I imagine it is. It said NR, not rated. So, you know, it had to be the unrated one. But anyways, if you're interested in like French filmmaking that we always talk about, obviously like we like the, you know, the, the OGs, mm-hmm. Martyrs, Inside, Frontiers, stuff like that, um, High Tension. Um, but definitely Incident in a Ghostland is on Netflix, US. So if you're out there and you haven't seen Incident in a Ghostland, let me qualify that. It's very fucked up. Mm. So don't watch Incident in Ghostland if you don't like fucked up movies. Let me let me qualify that. With that, my number nine was Candisha. Okay. Aisha Candisha. Alicia Candisha. Alicia Candisha. Okay, my number eight is a bit of a cop-out. Ooh! It's Fear Ow! Street, 1994. And the reason Yikes. I say it's a bit of a cop-out... Fuck you, duh! The reason I say it's a bit of a cop-out is because I feel like you need all three entries... Uh, to get the complete story, but I didn't want to have three fucking Fear Streets on my fucking list. I and totally, so- totally agree. 94 is borderline great, and the other two I just don't really like. So, all right, hear me out, G. I rewatched all three of them. Yikes. For this pod. Uh, you know, Fear Streets 1994 is great because of the time setting. Yes. I love the two best friends, Simon and Barrett. Yes. Um, there's the violence. There's the gore. It's a really fun idea of a supernatural slasher. Yeah. Okay, so we learned that there's this witch. How good is the opening scene of 1994? Oh, it's great. It's uh, it's a kill that takes place in a mall. Yes. Uma Thurman's daughter. Uh, Ra- what the fuck's oh, her Oh, really? I didn't know that was her. She's the girl from Stranger Things? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Ethan Hawke, Maya Hawke. 
Oh. Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman's daughter. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Good. Um, so it's about. It's funny you don't know that because she's that in funny? one of your favorite movies of all time. Right Once on. Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, and so is Amber from Scream. Yes. Uh, what's it's? I got something to tell you off mic <laughs> about. That. Please keep talking. Go ahead. Yeah, it's nothing bad. It's a spoiler for each film. Okay, so uh, Fear Street, nineteen ninety four, is a slasher film. E Dog loves slasher films. Reason number one, I love it, but it's a fun premise. Yes. Okay, so it's about a witch who was Aisha Kandisha. Not Alicia Kandisha. This is Sarah Fear. Seraphir. Uh, she has damn dog. That was a good Seraphir. She has. I didn't say that. Ooh, this is getting spooky. Ooh, in here, the I'm lights gonna, flicker. I may have to go home early. Okay. Well, now you're gonna have to piss again. Well, that too. Uh, Fear Street '94. Fear Street '1994. Let me just start from the beginning. Uh, so it's about a witch. Um, Seraphir. Damn, there it is again. <laughs> uh. It's about a witch. I, How many fucking I'm times gonna am I going to say that? Cut you like a fish. Uh, did they really find her liver in the mailbox? Because I heard they found her liver in the mailbox. Or is it spleen? I don't know. It's either liver or spleen. The real ones know. Okay. It's about a fucking witch this time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Who has cursed the land when we pick up with these characters in... 1994. Shady side. Shady side, right. Uh, they discover her remains. And one of the girls touches uh, the, the remains of this witch. And now, uh, killers from almost every decade from this town who are all really neat looking. Like, I feel like we should do an episode where we rank Fear Street killers. Well, the skull slasher. Uh, I really like Nightwing. The DC character? Uh no the the camp slasher from part two, uh, <laughs> he does look cool. I, I really like the milkman. Uh, there's that guy with that creepy gas mask. Anyways, uh, all these killers, uh, you know, are resurrected. They come back from the dead to kill this one girl who is disturbed. This girl, the bones. remains, right? Exactly. And so these kids have to figure out a way how to stop the killers and protect this one girl. Um, that is just the tip of the iceberg. The story continues in part two and three, which we got last year all a week uh, apart from each other. It was like the event of the year. Uh, the third one takes place in the 17th century, 1666. And so it's like an attempt at folklore, I guess. What did you just call me? I'm just kidding. And when I was rewatching it, I was like, there's so many lines about the devil. I just want to tweet right now. And so I was like, this is fucking great. Yeah. Uh, and then we finally learned the truth of Sarah Fear. Um, and so it's all, so basically to sum up Fear Street, it's a supernatural slasher film about a witch. And uh, I can't think of anything cooler than fucking that. And that is why it is number eight on my list. Obviously, I found seven <laughs> other films that were cooler, but E-Dog loves a supernatural slasher. So I, I definitely don't want the tenor to be that like, I didn't like these movies. This was actually going to be on my honorable mentions. I never said it. I feel like you're shit talking. I'm pretty hard though. I thought I, I did not like it as much as everyone else. I thought the first uh, what turned you off about it. I told you on our review. Oh, okay. I so like I loved 94. 
And then as I, I was so excited for the second one, I was like, holy shit, are we looking at something like, cause it, uh, very evocative. The second one is, it, it, it's just Friday the 13th is what it is. Yep. Down to like the sound effects of like the loons and shit, like on the lake. So I was so excited. Love the characters, love the cast. And it ultimately devolves into an underground cave for like the second half of the movie. You that's know, just, it's my least favorite of the three. And then the third one would just felt cheap and really? I stopped caring once it was more about the curse than the killers. Stopped caring. But it comes back to the killers. No, I know. But then it started to feel like American Horror Story a little bit. Ugh. Okay, duh. I, I definitely don't want to shit on it. It was going to be on my honorable mentions. I thought it was one of the... The fact that it was like a vent horror on Netflix, I loved. I really liked the first one. I enjoyed the rest. Just didn't like it as much as you. That's all. Okay. Well done. Let's hear your number eight. Well, I just switched number eight and seven because... Just on the top of your head? Yeah. Uh-oh. Because I was looking at it thinking, that film can't be that low. Uh, so my number eight okay. is A Quiet Place 2. Ooh. I went back and forth with this one, Jim. Yeah. So this one was my number seven, but ultimately I think number seven will probably stand the test of time better. Um, a Quiet Place 2 is just like, you know, we won't go on about it because... Everybody probably either saw it or here's the other thing. It's just more quiet place. Mm. Um, other than the opening, which I don't think it's spoiler to say the opening is before like the attack happens. Mm -hmm. And it's just a fucking, I mean, a quiet place was like one of my favorite movies like I'd ever seen when I saw it. Mm. Um, just John Krasinski's gorgeous direction. And it was just like, that movie was like dripping with, I'm going to use this phrase again, but like dripping with like, homage to like Spielberg, Amblin and Hitchcock and all types of stuff that just, and then ultimately it felt like a JJ, like bad robot movie. Um, and I just, man, it just the heart and the care of that first movie. And this just expands on that. And so for me that I loved it, loved more of it really. Like, I really like Killian Murphy, Cillian Murphy, whatever. I think it's Killian. I think it's Killian. Um, really like him, like expanding this cast and then ultimately where this ends up, I felt like the film almost is just sort of remakes the first film, not in what they're doing with the storytelling, because ultimately this film is like the kids growing up, mm. which is kind of funny. Cause like it doesn't take place that long after the first film, but that doesn't matter. Narratively, uh, this film is about them like taking the reins. Right. And I found that profound and great expanding on the first film and ultimately i think though plot wise which i care less about but plot wise it's the same film mm. like get to the end push the button you know i mean it's fucking it's the same movie but what i really found what i loved about it is just the character work and i just i i wish he would either do more of these or they they had also announced a spinoff <coughs> by directed by jeff nichols and now it's the pig director. Right. And so Jeff Nichols made one of my favorite movies of all time. Take Shelter. Take Shelter. I rewatched Take Shelter recently. And I mean, I was just oh, crying. It's so good. I fucking love Take Shelter. And it was right around the time that after that, shortly after that, I, I was reading Twitter and it said Jeff Nichols announced to helm a uh, spinoff of A Quiet Place. So I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is the perfect guy to do this. And he left the film. So now it's going to be the pig director, which I haven't seen pig yet. Um, right, I'll see you later. So, so anyway, so a quiet place too. I feel ho hum about including on the list just because it feels so similar. 
I don't know why. I, I feel I, I don't feel bad about it. I feel more so like, yeah, Quiet Place too. Like it was really good. Do you feel like you're required to put it on there or something? Like I don't I know what you're saying. No, I don't necessarily feel required. I feel more so like uh it's just really good. And I kind of that's how I'll that's how I feel about it. It was just more of something I already thought was really good. So it wasn't surprise. How about that? I don't want to make a big statement here. But the older Uh-oh. the older I get and the more films I watch, I find that I'm very much wanting to be surprised or subverted my expectations. Okay. And okay. so I find that as I get older, yes, I will still like not just older, but more films. Um, I start to want that. I want to be subvert my expectations. I, I'm looking for surprising things. And so not, not to be like an indictment on this film. I still love the films that don't, but yeah, my number eight, because I just thought it was more of something I thought was amazing, mm. but it didn't do anything new. Yes. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, but the opening, <laughs> that's fucking sick. Uh, I love those goddamn creatures ripping people in fucking half, like in a fucking instant. Right. Uh, nothing is better than the opening of the first film when, uh, spoilers, I don't think it's a spoiler, the opening of that film opens with one of their children being ripped in fucking half by that by those things. And uh, I'll never forget seeing that in a theater. And I thought, like, I felt the earth shake beneath the, my, the, my feet. I was like, holy fuck. Like, we just right. hit something. I'm seeing something new. Uh, I did not feel that with this because I had already seen that film. Right. Uh, so, Quiet Place 2, sorry to go on about it. Number eight, I really, really like the movie. I have the 4K. Very excited about it. Eric, what's your number eight? Uh, this is my number seven. I fucked up, number seven. That's okay. And my number seven is Jacob's Wife. Uh, there was no way... Barbara Crampton. Barbara Crampton and Larry Fessenden were going to make a gory vampire film and it not be on my list. Yes. Uh, Jacob's Wife is about an older couple, a uh, married couple, Crampton and Fessenden. Uh, Fessenden is a minister of some church and... Barbara Crampton is like the quiet, devoted uh, wife. You know, she constantly get gets spoken over. Um, you know, her wants and needs aren't uh, met. The American dream. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's a joke. Go and, ahead, keep going. And then she's attacked by a vampire. Oh! And she starts getting these new cravings and these new powers. And she's no longer just going to be the good little subservient uh, wife. Uh, anymore so it's kind of this power struggle between uh crampton and fessenden and is there a cure is there a way that we can uh fix her um so it goes on um you know what's interesting is i'm seeing a theme of my films here and it's women taking reins yes uh, taking control Um, but you left one off of your list did i We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, so I've seen people complain about tone, but I think there's also just some little, there's also really good uh, humor in this along with like, and it's like the violence and gore is like to the point of like slapstick. Sure. Uh, there's like a point where she like literally rips this dude's head off and it's just like a geyser. A geyser. of just fucking uh, blood. So there was no way I wasn't going to uh, fucking enjoy uh, Jacob's wife. Um, 
I knew you were going to like that movie just from the art. I was like, oh, yeah. it's Fessenden and fucking Barbara Crampton. Yeah, and uh, the I didn't head, see it. Ooh. The head vampire is played by, help me out here, she also plays the nun in the Conjuring universe. Films. Oh, it's, uh, is that Bonnie Aarons? Yeah, she plays like the master Yeah, I kind of serviced that for you, Eric. Yeah. So, um, I think I called The Quiet Place 2 my number eight. It was my number seven. Oh, okay. The, isn't it? I don't know, Dad. You're the one flipping them as we're recording. I know. That's why I fucked it up. I knew I shouldn't have done it. So you're you're doing your number seven? I'm doing my number seven. Okay. Didn't I go first? Yeah. No, I went first. Didn't I? No, because I told that long story about my roof again. Fuck. Fuck. So, I don't know, So my place was your eight. You're on your seven now. Yes. Uh, thank you, Eric. And that yep. was Jacob's wife. That was Jacob's wife. So I'm on my seven now. You're on your seven now. So here's here's where we reach... I mean, I think we already did with A Quiet Place too, but here's where we reach things that are, it's going to get really tough. So when I say this one's my number seven, don't be mad at me. Okay. Because I really like everything now, even A Quiet Place too. My number seven. You don't seem confident, though. No, I'm confident. It's just there's a lot coming up. Uh, my number seven is uh, A24's Saint Maud. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. I knew it. I, I knew saying it here was going to be something, but yeah, I, I really, uh, I'm assuming we'll talk about it again. Yes. Um, St. Maud is, we'll just talk it again and okay. you're better at explaining films anyway. Um, but I just loved the sheer audacity and exploration of, I wouldn't even necessarily say religion. I would say more so like obsession of faith, uh, which I know sounds like religion, but I didn't find it like it didn't feel like the midnight mass religion discussion. Uh, my interpretation of St. Maud is this is a film about mental health. Yes. And it, okay. So I'm, I think we agree because I was calling it an obsession of faith, uh-huh. which yes, absolutely mental health. Um, definitely. Definitely. I love that. Um, I saw on Twitter, somebody call this, uh, if Taxi Driver was a horror film, yeah, or was, Joker, which is the same thing, and I was like, "Holy fuck, that's like perfect!" Like yeah. description of uh, Saint Maud. You know, they think they're there to cure something when yes. they're part of the problem themselves. And of course, as always with films that I love, melancholy ending. Holy shit! Does this got a melancholy <laughs> ending? Right. So, and I'm, and I'm sort of pausing because I don't want to spoil the film St. Maud, but man, you know, I just, I just, things, I, I often find myself trying to explain why that appeals to me. I felt like I did pretty well explaining Midnight Mass and wh- why that appealed to me and that sort of melancholy feeling. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, I just, it just, exploration of belief, faith, and, and ultimately acceptance and things, like, it's just, I don't know. They always appeal to me. They always get to me. And they're things that I, that I, you know, I would much rather watch a film about those topics than pretty much anything. Um, yes. And this is also one you're talking about, you know, you want your expectations subverted. Oh, yes. And this is definitely one that did that. No, I'm glad. Uh, for me. Thank you, Eric. Great, great observation because that, that definitely the more, you know, I have some more films coming up that are, that are going to discuss that as well. And it's just, I don't know. I mean, the more like we go, like, I know I'm saying we go, you know, I'm 30 now and it's just like, I just find myself wanting no, like I'll be 34 this year. That sucks. Da. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I, what I worry about, da? What you know, does easy worry am about? Am I going to be 54 and still like this? 
Like, am I going to be 54 wearing a maniac, maniac shirt upset that I didn't skate today? Am I ever growing out of this? I, I'm afraid I'm not. I don't like that you're framing it as something you have to grow out of. I, I, it's not. I don't want to grow out. I know, of it, I know, but, but that's saying, how you like, framed what you're saying. And but I, there's like expectations of other of what other people have for me. But you're already 34, and you've already subverted those. You're you're that's doing true. your own thing. Doing your. I'm not saying you can't eventually just, get married and have kids, and I don't know if that's on your horizon. I'm just saying that that because you were talking about societal expectations. But I also think like not everybody does those things. I'm, I'm just saying like the hobbies and interests I have seem childish. Like when I was in the fucking eighth grade, I have now. Well, Eric, if you is that is that so, bad? Is no. that weird? Do you think that I I don't? I mean, that's all I fucking do is like watch horror movies, play video games, right. and talk about fucking Star Wars. Right. That's pretty much it. I don't know if is there something wrong with us. Uh, probably. Okay. And okay. and you know what? And maybe that's why we're we like melancholy shit discussing life and things like you know, like I don't know. Um I I'm always fascinated by by this and 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 you, I I think this one's a little different than what I was what I'm really talking about because you're saying it's more like mental health and I agree. Um but still ultimately discussing like uh uh life and death. I I kind of feel like mental health issues I have is because I've stayed like this. You know what I mean? People go off and have a family and kids and somebody that cares about them. If they come home at night, E-Dog just lives alone. Yeah, I mean, Washing my hands every 10 minutes. Yeah. But let me ask you, that this, can't I, be good. But do you want that? I mean, if you did, I feel like you'd be doing it. You know, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Do you want to skate and have your own time? Do whatever yeah, you want to do. That's what I want. Well, Then why do you feel like it's like such a bad thing? I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying like, uh, is is there more? Maybe, yeah. There, there was a. Uh, but a, do I want more? I don't think I do. I'm content right now. I'm happy okay. It's right too now. good, too good of an opportunity. Okay. To not say this quote, there's a film this year called The Green Knight. Yes. And while I, while ultimately, I, I, I just loved watching that movie. I don't know how often I'll rewatch it or anything like that. It's too long and prodding, but. Uh, that film has a line and I think it's okay to spoil the line. I won't spoil the context, but, um, Sir Garwin says, is this really all there is? Mm. And the green Knight says, what more would there be? Mm. Get on with it. Um, that spoke to me heavily. Just, just, is this really all there is? Like, um, I never heard such a line like that. And, uh, uh, David Lowry's The Green Knight did that for me. Am I going to be um, 54 being like, oh, I'm running out of space in the toy room? Probably. Yeah. Okay. Probably. Just just checking with you. Well, that's we'll all. check in from time to time on yeah. Eric to see how the toy room is coming. Okay, good. I think, you know, you can have other goals. Like, for instance, getting a new house or something like that. Okay. Like, in, in the future. I'd like to get a new car eventually. Yeah, new okay. car. You know, you can have goals like that. I don't want to make it like... Um, uh, goods wise, you know, I'm not trying to make it about like material. Things. Yeah. Material. Thank you. But right. I'm just saying you can have other goals. Okay. They don't all have to be ones that society constructed for you. Okay. Thank you. And on that note, number six, <laughs> I really like St. Maud. Yes, me too. So well, Eric, I'm going to, I'm going to say St. Maud again, please later in the episode. Uh, number six for me is a film we've possibly talked about the most, uh, in recent episodes is David Gordon Green's Halloween 
kills. I'll talk about it later. Okay. If you want. I like this film a lot. Again, it's another. Initially, Eric did not like it, but he came around. Yeah, took me several viewings. Um, Halloween Kills. You guys know what Halloween is. This is a horror movie podcast. E Dog liked the new one. Yeah, and that and how, so Halloween Kills is your what number six? Number six. Got it. Oh, perfect. My number six is yeah. a film that I'm going to get screamed at. Ooh, let's hear it. But you have to remember, Eric. Don't get mad. It's my number six. I'm I really like it. Yeah, or... you're gonna be pissed. Okay. Uh oh. My number six is Nia DaCosta's Candyman. Okay. And. You know, remember, don't yell at me. Number six it's is on high. The list. It's high. It's on the list, yeah. This film is what I would say, and I said I was going to say a similar phrase, dripping with. Um, the only way I can explain 2021's Candyman is that it's dripping with fucking style. Um, from the opening credit sequence of the buildings going into the clouds to the fucking beanie on... Uh, Anthony's head. Anthony's head. I was going to call him Yaya. Um, I love Yaya. It is just fucking dripping with style. And this is a film that had me sort of really thinking about, you know, wow, like I need to see her other films. Like I, I, I don't, I mean, I've never heard of this person and this is so well directed. Right. Um, gorgeously directed, dripping with style, um, about something, which is great. Uh, you know, stuff that I, I just, I feel like I'll save it because I feel like you'll speak on it better. But I really, 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 really liked Candyman. I'm happy you did, Doc. Um, again, other films spoke to me more specifically. But this film, and here, fuck. Talk about melancholy fucking uh, tone. You, you know, it's interesting. This that, movie just floats through it, no pun intended. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you say this movie spoke to you. And, you know, and I guess that's the great thing about art is we all have different uh, interpretations. Sure. And, you know, and, you know, one thing that I saw about Candyman is how, you know, it's this commentary of being a black man. Yes. uh, In America, something that I cannot, you know, relate to. Yep. And so that's great that there's that faucet of the film for people. Uh, But, you know, I love Candyman. As a horror film. Yeah. I love Candyman. I love that character, you know? And I think what Candyman is for me is a great addition to a character that I love. For sure. And I, I think, you know, you have the, as you know, I'm a huge fan of set pieces. Mm-hmm. And it, it almost, you, you could track if I'm going to like a film based on is it full of set pieces with no score or score that's so loud you can't hear anything. Those are movies I'm going to like. Mm. Candyman has several of these where like there's the one in the art gallery Mm. and I just love when we pause to do like most people call it a kill scene, but these are more elaborate than that. And I, I, I just, this movie's fucking sick. Um, I think ultimately I would have, I mean, I was, I was like, this is probably like the best movie of the year. I think the ending is missing shit. I don't know what's going on. That's how I feel too. That's the only fucking problem I have with Candyman is we, we like suddenly skip to, and I'm not going to explain what they are, but moments where I'm like, wait, did we just fucking skip like 20 minutes? Right. It's like, uh, for me, uh, all of a sudden they make a character a villain that I didn't know was the villain. Yeah. and I, But I also don't know if I'm missing something. Well, how many times have you seen it? I mean, if you're not reading it, then 
I, I don't mean like story wise. Sure. I mean like, uh, like socially. A, so right, exactly. Sure, exactly. It's like there's something there lost that in I'm translation, missing. sort of. Right. Yeah, I mean maybe, but re- I mean regardless, it's ninety minutes. And you know what? I understand that character's motivation. I do too. One hundred percent. But like, why did it go there? I guess it's not just that though, because. We show up there. It's not even just the character's motivation. It's just cut, skip to final scene. Right. I mean, literal like finale. And like, and it's like, like, what the fuck? What? And I guess I want like some type of emotion. Yes. That character that we don't get. Yeah. I don't know. But I also do like, I feel like I'm beating around this because I don't want to say what's happening. Same here. Same theory. But I also do like the sort of blase. I'll, I'll say it again. You know, we repeat the things a lot. Melancholy sort of attitude almost like that the film carries. Mm. And I really, I, I, I liked that tone, but I just felt like it was missing like 10 or 15 minutes and I couldn't quite agree square what had happened. Um, ultimately what the ending is, the finale is awesome and I loved it, but I just feel like there's some, we're cutting to something is snipped out of this movie. It's like there's a bridge to get to the finale and it's gone. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. So, so the finale is good. Yes, but getting there is a little uh, something's missing. And you know, it's also great. What's and I'll leave it at this: the fucking score. Um, the score is so sick. So I have a hangup about the new Candyman. Okay. In my head, the original Candyman is Candyman. Okay. And so this new film, okay. I I love the new Candyman, you know, because it's a sequel to the original film. But like, that's not Cabrini Green. Yeah, <laughs> that's not how Candyman sounds. I'm able to get over that because how you sound good, like a Richie right now. I'm I'm hear me out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm able to get over that stuff. Yeah, because how good the film is. Yes, uh, but in my head. Candyman is that Philip Glass um, piano score. Yeah. Cabrini Green is that scary high-rise yes. you know, filled with graffiti, um, you know, with bars on every window. And this Candyman doesn't have any of that stuff. Well, it's but specifically I, commenting on that. But I'm able to. Get, I mean, it's commenting on the, the the that they demolished all of it for condos, right? It's literally commenting on why that stuff's not there. Okay, you're you know what? You're 100 percent right, and I think in real life that stuff isn't even there. Right. Exactly. Uh, anymore. But I guess what I'm. I'm not saying at, if. The, yeah, it's just it's commenting on that. Right. You're you're 100. But what right. you're saying is like those the those, those that iconography exactly. is not there in this film. Exactly. But the film is doing like that modern. It's commenting on that. You're exactly right. But but I agree. Like I I feel like it's. I know you probably don't feel this way. But I feel like it's ultimately missing one little thing, and I can't quite pinpoint what it is. And it could just be that final like 15 minute. I'm not sure. But I ultimately loved it. Number six, Same fucking here. score, dripping with style. Loved it. Same here. So Eric, that was my number six. Okay, my number five. Yay. is a Film that I'm probably gonna get yelled at. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I can already hear... Like, I'm already anticipating you going, ooh, or however the fuck you do it. My number five is Zack Snyder's Army of the uh, Dead. I forget. Literally, compl- could not 
could not think of what you were talking about because it didn't it, it didn't cross my mind that we'd be talking about this film on a top ten. Yeah, I can't believe it's that high. I can't believe that I've Eric, seen it three speak, times. Talk about it. Talk about okay. it. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Army of the Dead. Uh, I'm happy you liked it as much as you did. Yeah. Okay. So you've heard me say before that like I love zombie films, and this is a big dumb fun one. Um, so there's a zombie outbreak that they're able to contain just to loss. Vegas, Nevada, they're able to seal off the city uh, while the rest of the world goes on like normal. Um, there's a man who claims to own a casino. Uh, he goes to, uh, I guess he's a former mercenary, uh, Dave Batista's character, uh, who's now just like a short order cook at a diner. Um the man who owns the casino tells him, if you can assemble a team, if you can make it to my hotel, uh, casino hotel, I guess. Uh, there's a lot of money in the safe. There's a lot of money in the safe. You can have it. Of course, there's ulterior motives there. What? Uh, here's why I like Army of the Dead. The first reason is a sentimental reason. A sentimental? Yeah. Can you guess what it is? Well, I mean... That it's Zack Snyder and he made Dawn of the Dead, the remake. and You know, I don't think too much of the Dawn of the Dead remake. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I God, like it too. Eric, but that film is 4,000 times better than Army of the Dead. Uh, okay. The, 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 the sentimental reason I have with Army of the Dead is the first film I saw in theaters. Oh, cool. After theaters reopened. So cool. it has like a special place in my heart. For that. Hey, man, I told you I was floating out of Tenet, and yeah. everyone else apparently didn't love Tenet. Right. So I know the feeling. I know uh, the feeling. Uh, I went with my best friend to El Paso. Uh, Not with, me. Uh, Andrew Costanieta. Uh We watched it in the newly built uh, East El Paso Alamo Draft House. Uh, That's where I saw Last Night in Soho. Uh, and then we doubled it with Spiral. So it was just like this like fucking... like. Like, the movie could be shit, which a lot of people say it is. <laughs> but I'm back at the theater yeah, after totally. it's been closed. I'm with my best friend. We're at this new nice fucking theater. Like, it couldn't have been totally a better uh, scenario for me to like this film. But speaking of the film itself, you know what Army of the Dead reminds me of? You know where World I feel War Z? Like, where I feel like it could fit in? No, this should be a Return of the Living Dead sequel. Oh. Where we just have zombies doing bullshit things, like wearing capes and helmets. Uh, having, this, is, this isn't a costume. Having a having children, riding horses, uh, possibly robots. Like, it's all this, like, bullshit ideas that's like, this would fit in well with the Return of the Living Dead universe. Because I feel like that's what Return of the Living Dead is. It's like bullshit zombie yeah, ideas definitely. that are still fun. I love that Zack Snyder created this big bullshit world. Where he doesn't give us all the A's and the B's and the C's. And I hope to see uh, a return to it. Yeah, I do too. I want more. Uh, he's currently working on a new movie for Netflix, Rebel Moon. I saw the headline. And I'm doing the same thing I did with Army of the Dead, which is holy fuck. This concept art looks so cool. Zack Snyder can direct good movies. He can. He definitely can. I've liked he a lot. He loves Watchmen. I've liked a lot. I really like Dawn of the Dead and Watchmen. Um Hell, I like parts of Batman versus Superman. Parts. <laughs> Let's clarify that. Yeah, not, not you know, parts. But, I mean, he's such a fucking... Aw- I like Man of Steel. 
Uh, he's such an awesome visual filmmaker. Um, but something about this was just blah, really? just fucking I guess nonsense. The run time. We don't need the runtime, and, and I felt like I felt like I'm gonna say it needed more zombies, and you're gonna say, "Well, it had a lot of zombies." I know. I actually almost agree with that. Not really. For like that first like 75 minutes, you know, it's just like the buildup of them getting there. But even that, like, but then when, it turns into CGI zombies, and like I feel like I need more like encounters. I. Oh, speaking of encounters, duh, like uh, there's like the sequence where there's like the asshole guy who like leads yes. the girl the wrong way. I was literally oh. thinking about that. It reminds me of the finale of World War Z. That, that's another thing that I like uh, about uh, Army of the Dead is how like different zombies can do different yeah, things. Like, I like how that. They, like how they hibernate, how there's the ones that are like so sunburnt they can't move. Totally. <laughs> unless it uh, rains, you know, of course, then there's the alphas. Um I was getting at this. Oh, I get. I guess like, because it's a zombie film, is why I'm okay with this. But how like you show me like some bullshit action sequence in Man of Steel, and I'm like rolling my eyes at it. But then with this, you can show me Batista shooting a gun in slow mo, and I'm like, fucking tight. I guess like, man, you know what's funny? The first thing I think about Man of Steel isn't Zack Snyder's filmmaking. Uh, so that's sad. The first thing I think about is the Hans Zimmer score. Mm. And maybe this was missing that, like, um, I don't know. Just, I guess I just didn't care about uh, Batista at all. I didn't care about his connection with his daughter. Mm. And so ultimately, with the film having, I've spoken about this, like, with, like, Kendisha, for instance. I really cared about what was going to happen to them. Mm. Couldn't care about anything that was happening in this movie at all. But... I'm not trying to rain on your parade. I just, I'm, I'm only just trying to like defend myself pretty much. Right. Like I definitely don't want to shit on it. I didn't hate it mm. at all, but I just, it ended. And I thought, eh, the fuck is a fuck. Like I just didn't care <laughs> about it I've seen a lot all. of people complain about how like, uh, like how they had to replace that one dude. Oh like, no. Like, Crystalia. And, and then like how like jarring it is. How no. she's like not with any you of couldn't the even fucking characters. tell. I couldn't even tell. Uh, I'll tell you what, we'll continue with your five in a sec. So we are halfway through my list. Yes. Keegan, let's hear your five. Well, I definitely just want to wrap up and say I definitely am I'm happy that you liked Army of the Dead. I think I'm the only person that liked and Army I, of the Dead. And I wish I did. And I guess, you know, I, I almost wonder, like, it, it actually reminded me. The first film I saw after the pen. well, I'm sorry, not after the pandemic. That's not right. Uh, when theaters opened back okay. up. Was actually Godzilla vs. Kong in IMAX. Hmm. Um, and I'm assuming that's nowhere near anywhere on our list. It's not mine. I didn't think it was horror. Which is part of its problem. Okay. <laughs> so, anyways, I wanted to say that. I like Godzilla vs. Kong, but uh, definitely a, uh, probably my one of my di- biggest disappointments of the year. Damn. But it's not bad. Right. I just I like didn't. It. I like Godzilla King of the Monsters. Are you ready? I am. My number five. Please lay it on me. Julia DeCornow's. DeCornow's? DeCornow's? I'm doing my best. Uh, Titan or Titan. I think it's Titan. I think it's Titan. It's my number five. And you know, this is kind of controversial at this point because Eric didn't include it at all. Didn't even mention on his, uh, honorable mentions that I lied about the rating on letterbox. <clears throat> and, th- and this is, this is a fucking film that I just, man, you know, I love sitting down, clicking play and just being taken on a fucking ride. Is this it, horror? Yeah. Okay. I mean, the opening half is fucking horror. 
Those first half hour is definitely. I mean. Okay. Yeah, it's horror. Okay. So where to start with Tatan? That's kind of why I'm struggling. Mm. You know, what is the film? I don't know. Uh, a woman, a child, uh, is in a car wreck. Yes. And Very she, similar to the opening of Raw. And she needs a metal plate, I guess, a titanium. Yes. A plate put into her head. And instead of having fear of vehicles, she loves them. Yes. Uh, so she grows up to be an adult. Uh, she has a very stressed relationship with her parents. And she is a car model. Is that correct? There are yes. car shows and she performs at them. She dances. Yes. Um, She's like a car girl, kind of. Okay. Not like car hop. No. <laughs> um, and then this descent. Then something happens to her? Yes. At, after one of these car show ends? And uh, then I'm going to struggle. <laughs> yes. So if you've seen Titan, you know where we're going. But And then we sort of devolve into a lot of shit. And the one thing I'll say, so like, let me let me say off the bat, Titan is directed by Julia DeCornow. And, you know, she made Raw. Mm-hmm. And I think Raw is like one of the best movies of like the last 10 years. I found Tatan like bafflingly insane and but not but not in a bad way. It's it's my fucking number 5. And you know, I think ultimately I like the the more direct uh of, of directness of Raw. Mm. Um where Tatan is 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 discussing so much and things that and the reason I, I brought her up is you know, I really just Man, you know, I struggle to talk about it because I don't want to sound like a fucking um, dumbass, but like, I just sort of admire this movie. Like, and I admire her for making this in this way because some of the things that it's speaking to, like, I have no experience with, you know? And so I want to say that off the bat because at at times this film starts to discuss like trans uh, issues Mm. and and it, it discusses, you know, uh, you know, women and being followed in fucking parking lots and right. being catcalled and uh, women being required to be gentle and and it discusses like this female rage. Um, and again, like I hope I don't sound uh, because ultimately I'm not sure I know everything it was about. And I think this is an extremely challenging movie. And the more I watch film, the more I consume art, the more I like to be challenged. And so this is a film that spoke to me in a lot of ways, but also I understood what it was saying, but I I wasn't quite sure. But I just found it utterly, uh, uh, you know, enthralling. I was was swept up in this shit. And of course, like Eric's discussing, the the, the second half, I would call it, of the film is very different and very sweet. And, you know, Eric and I, we've spoken before that we really like sweet sweetness mm. in movies. Yes. And this film has a lot of that, but while also having this, like, insane edge to it. And I just found it, um, you know, mesmerizing. So it's my number five, not because I know everything it was saying and, and I'm, you know, fucking, I know all about Tatan. I don't, and that's why it's my number five, that I just found it, challenge i can't wait to watch it again you know it's a film i'm not going to watch right away again but when i do like revisit it or show my brother and his wife or whatever like i you know i really i don't know i just admired the time i thought it was fucking sick 
So, I mean, it's just fucking... I think that's my best shot at explain, at talking about the film. I, I guess I'd like to make it clear that I don't think it was a bad film. No, I you know. And, uh, you know, E-Dog likes to be challenged. But I guess sometimes it's just so over E-Dog's head. I kind of walk away with a shoulder shrug. Well, and that's why I definitely like talking to you about it. I want to make sure, like, I'm not saying I know all of it either. Mm. You know, I listened to the interview with her that was on the Blu-ray and, and got some of it. Um, and of course I read some of it as well, especially, uh, some of the, uh, like sort of trans elements and I'm doing my best to talk about it. Um, you know, I understood those and, and especially like the cat calling and, 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 you know, I guess the world's expectation of females, I feel like is what the film is ultimately about. Um, but that's my best shot at it. You know, I don't know, maybe it's not fucking about that, but that was what I read. And uh, I'll, I'll say this. I'll, I'll, end, I'll end my Tatan talk with this. Uh, this is a movie I thought about for several days after I saw it. You know, I was driving around at work just thinking about some of the images in this movie. Um, I love stuff like this. What is your interpretation of, like, the car stuff, the, the oil stuff? Okay. The, what, I, I, that is definitely something I didn't know what sure. was going on. So if you were to ask me what I didn't fully grasp, it was definitely those aspects. Mm. Um, let's just call it the car stuff. Yeah. So I don't think we should spoil that. Uh, I really don't know. I mean, I can make guesses, but I feel like those would sort of spoil it too. Um, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm really, really not sure. Um, even as I stare forward, I think of things I want to say, but they would spoil sort of the ending of the movie. Um, I don't know. But uh, man, Tatan, it just it just was was mind blowing in the sense that uh, I I I had a statement on it. I I've got one more thing. Um, yeah. This definitely felt like uh, you remember it's not his first film, but you remember when Nicholas Winding Refn made Drive? Yes, and then he followed it up with fucking Only God Forgives. Yes, this definitely has that trajectory of like Raw being such a direct, understandable, like mm. um, packageable film. And then coming out with this next as like, no, I don't just make that. I make fucking this. Mm. Um, like high art almost. I'm not calling Only God Forgives high art. I'm just, I am calling Tatan high art. But I'm just saying it like it felt like that trajectory. And uh, I'm fascinated. Fascinated by it. So mm. Tatan, I really liked it. It's my number five. Eric, does that make it your number five? This makes it my number four. Fuck. I don't, how am I fucking this up? I don't know, Doc, because you're switching over there. What'd you just talk about? Your number five was Army of the Dead. Okay. How do we fuck? Okay. Okay. So my number, number four. four. Uh, I have a feeling it might match my number four. Uh, maybe, but I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess you have this a tad higher. Okay. Uh, my number four is James Wan's most M- malignant. Most excellent. Sorry, malignant. My number four is malignant. Is it really? And my number four is malignant. Oh damn! I thought. I love James Wan. Me too. But if you and I were having like a, a James battle. Wan trivia contest, I feel like you're going to like beat me like easily. Well, there's three th- films above it that were just utterly, again, let's say spoke to me. Um, I really like Malignant. Uh, well, 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 let's get into it. Uh, okay. So I feel like the best way to describe Malignant without giving any spoilers, it's a supernatural slasher. Yep. Um, a very tough film to talk about without spoilers. Yeah, so so that's what that's that's how I would describe it. 
Um, but this movie's like a fucking treat. Yes. Uh, when you when you can discuss uh, spoilers, this film I just want to recommend to people. Yes. And I I, I watched it with my mom. I watched it with my nephew. I told my supervisor about it. I just want to spread the good word of Malignant. Okay, so it's my number four, so we'll, I'll talk it too. Okay. It was so crazy because, I, you know, I talked about this on the podcast, but because it's our top 10, let's do it. Uh, you know, I went and saw this by myself because I was so worried about spoilers. I had heard, you know, there were some rumblings of the reviews and stuff coming out, and they were just calling it utterly insane. Mm-hmm. This, ins- You know, I was like, what is this? Because all of a sudden there was like this feeling like it wasn't quite what it looked like. It, uh, and even, sorry to interrupt you. It was like that week, all of a sudden, like all those reviews were like, wait, maybe Malignant's something else. Well, that's what I was going to say. The The trailer, the way it was marketed, it was like, this is a James Wan haunted house a film. A new chilling, spooky film from, I yeah. I thought we were just going to get it. And you know what? I watched Conjuring Two during the day and it scared me. Oh, so, Conjuring Two is very scary. So I, my house, I, I like I fear my house. I just assumed that I knew what this is and I couldn't have been yeah, more, more wrong. fucking wrong. So yeah. I remember like falling into it that it was this like, and I thought, you know, I gotta go see it. And I remember talking to my brother and he's like, let me, this will make sense. So I, okay. you know, I talked to my brother and I said, uh, you know, hey, um, I I gotta go see Malignant. Are you gonna go see it? And he said, you know. So my brother likes scary movies, but he doesn't like to be, he doesn't like jump scares in a theater. Like it's just, I mean, sorry, Ben, but it's a fact. He, I think I've said it before. He doesn't like to like get scared. So, um, I remember him saying, he's like, well, I don't want, I don't think I want to see it in a theater. Cause I just, I just don't want to be like scared in the theater. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll go by myself. Like I'll go. So I go, I see it. And I, I remember I went, I, I went to his house after I saw the movie, walked in, looked at him, Ben and Saber, my brother and his wife. And I was like, I don't know what I, there's no way I can tell you, but you have to go see Malignant. And he's like, well, I just, you know, it looks scary. And I was like, I can't tell you, but you have to go see Malignant. Um, because it has such a, it's just such a, I didn't want to spoil it, but obviously like, it looks like this scary haunted house movie. And ultimately, Uh, I don't think it's a huge spoiler to say there. It's just something else. And what is it, Eric? What do we want to say about *Malignant* without spoiling it? I'm not saying a goddamn thing. It's ultimately like this tribute to fucking. Is it? Can I say to *Grindhouse* cinema? Basically, okay. I don't think that's that's. Um, yeah, I think I, we. I feel like saying *Grindhouse* cinema is a bit of an umbrella term. Sure. Uh, and so my, like, if you told that to me and I didn't, and I hadn't seen Malignant yet, I would just assume I'm going to see something bonkers. I, it's not very bonkers was the word I was looking for. Thank you. It's not very often. Um, when, when, uh, like if they came out with Grindhouse 2 and this was one of the doubles, I would have been like, fuck, that was amazing. It's not, I, it is amazing. <laughs> it would fit under that bill. One of my favorite ways to gauge whether I'm like in love with the film is whether like my jaw is open or I'm smiling through my teeth watching mm. a film in person and I don't realize it until I do. And uh, it happened a few times this year and one of them was malignant. And when I saw it again, I, I got Ben and Saber, my brother and his wife to go the next night. I was like, you have to go to see fucking malignant like right now. We did and I smiled the whole fucking time with my arms crossed, like almost clapping and it, it 
it's a film made for me and it's it's odd i've seen people that say like hey i don't get malignant and i'm like well, i don't really think there's a lot to hmm. you don't have to get it you know what i'm saying like it's not i think like it's pretty straightforward i do too and you either I mean, it, like it ex- that or it explains itself well maybe too much right yeah okay malignant's four that That's was our great. four. We, we lined up. We love James Wan's Malignant. We absolutely uh, loved it. WB are a bunch of fucking assholes and didn't put it out on 4K, and I'm still pissed about it. I'm with you. I don't have a 4K TV, so I just bought the blue. My number three is Nia DaCosta's Candyman. I thought it was going to be your number one. I thought it was going to be my number one, too. Wow. And then, and then I That's re- crazy. And then I rewatched all... Hey, number three is still fucking high, but then I rewatched all these films, and this is how I feel. Um, I feel like I talked my Candyman as much as I could. So, do you want to do your Candyman? Yes. You know, you said that this film is dripping in style. Yes. I feel like this film is dripping in coolness. Like I who I can't think of anybody else that defines the word cool for me than fucking Yaya. Yaya, of course, is the actor who portrays Anthony, Abdul the main character. Mateen? The second. Okay, I was like, is that how to... Okay. Uh, this guy is so fucking cool, he took the role of Morpheus in the new Matrix. I mean, I can... I mean, how else do you describe somebody that cool? Yes. Just like the fucking way... All right, Dom. Everyone's fucking... dressed. That's, that's just what I was going to say. I that's what I was just going to say. Like, even like the clothing attire is fucking cool. And uh, there's a part... Where Candyman is doing something at the very end of the film. I'm not going to say what. But because of the clothing that he has on, I'm like, fuck, this is so fucking cool. Uh, but in top of that, uh, I've already said this a hundred times. I love that it's a direct sequel uh, to Candyman. Yes. Uh, Candyman is hands down one of my favorite horror films ever. And I loved how they... Uh, this is This was like a stealth sequel. Yes. Because, you know, they didn't tell us uh, what it was. Um, it expands the mythology. Yes. Um, I mean, this is what I want from a sequel. I mean, I always want a sequel. I want a remake. I want... I a want, requel. I want whatever you're going to give me of characters that I love. Yes. You know what? And they just fucking nailed it perfectly. And, like... I've already said for me, it's like the horror aspect that I like, but then there's like the social commentary. There's just, this film is the complete package minus getting to the finale. Yes. <laughs> and, that, and that's why it's ultimately my number three. Sure. Uh, I remember like sitting in the theater and being like, oh fuck, they did it. They did it. They did it. I they thought did the it. same they did thing. It. They did it. They did it. Uh, they little, did it. They did it. They did it. Little, little, little detour. Yes. But then I was back on. They did it. They did it. So I thought the exact same thing. I literally was like, this is going to be one of my favorite. Like it is one of my favorite movies of the year, but this might be my favorite movie of the year. Right. And then as it, as it, as it sort of concluded, I thought, ah, fuck. Right. Like what happened in the final, but, but the, we love the, I mean, I think the ending is amazing. Yes. Just to be clear. Yeah. So this is, uh, I think the coolest, most stylish, uh, film of the year, man. I E-dog totally agree. E dog loves Candyman. I love I love Candyman. Period. Totally agree. Uh, uh, I ordered um, from Hot Topic of all fucking places. They had an online exclusive. Uh, it's a pop. Well, be careful what you say. A Funko of Yaya. Lit. And I was like, I need fucking. 
Funko Yaya. That's that's sick. Yeah. So, and that's your number three. A dog loves Candyman. Yep. All right. My, I feel like my number three. I feel like my number three is 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 my Candyman for you. Okay. Um. Now don't don't yell at me because it sounds like I can't. It sounds like it didn't make your list. I can't remember. Uh. But my number three is the film that I'm more passionate about than you for sure, and it's Last Night in Soho. Okay. Um. Edgar Wright can do no wrong. Um. I'll start off just to address what Eric was saying. He said sort of the ending he didn't love, which I think it's only like the last 30 minutes. Um, the first hour and a half is, is, I mean, God, dude, just from the opening frames, it's, it's more beautifully shot than most movies that came out this year. Like, it's just so fucking pretty, so dope music editing as Edgar Wright always does. And then it has, you know, I really, really cared about Thomas and McKenzie's character and it has Anya Taylor-Joy dancing, you know, amazing. And then of course, yes, ultimately devolving into what that happens with her. And it is sad, but just, this is a film that I was not going to say it was dripping with style, but just because we're talking about Candyman, this is like just so fucking cool. I mean, there's these fucking dope ass shots of like puddles on the ground with fucking, you can see through the puddle, a fucking neon sign on it. I mean, it has the same setup as malignant with the neon sign out the window. And they literally use that sound as like part of the score. Um, It's just fucking sick. Uh, The editing is like fucking mind blowing, mind blowing. Like how did they perform those shots? Um, so, There's a dance sequence where uh, the camera is revolving around the two characters. Uh, do you know the actor who plays Jack? What's his name? Uh, Matt Smith. Okay, so Matt Smith is dancing with... Doctor uh, Who. Right. Uh, he's dancing with Anna Taylor-Joy. And then the, as the camera's rotating around them... It's showing... It's Thomas and Mackenzie yes. dancing with him. And... I watched the like behind the scenes on like how they like perform that, like yeah. how they pull that off. And I thought it was editing. That was fucking practical. That is insane. It's insane. So like, I feel like from a technical standpoint, last Soho is like bonkers. And, that, and I don't know anything about filmmaking and, and that's that, just bonkers. And that's why like, I think like the film, like I had like, you know, maybe I'm too like emotional or whatever, but like I had like tears in my eyes just from pieces of the filmmaking. When I re I rewatched it a few nights ago, I was like, I have to rewatch it before my list. And it literally was like making me tear up how dope some of the scenes are edited and shot. Um, specifically, yeah, when it's Thomas McKenzie and Anya Taylor Joy in the same scene. Um, yeah. that always like I'm this this is like apparently something with me where like two characters that aren't supposed to be in the same scene together, but they are. Um, I talked about that a lot with sharp objects. You might be thinking like, why are you even talking about that? It's cause I remember that so vividly, um, characters that aren't supposed to be in the same scene together. This actually is happening in yellow jackets. Um, I'll just leave it at that to not spoil that. But, um, I always love that. And then in this, it's just so technically insane. Um, and it's just like, when I say editing too, it's always, cor- of course he edits to like a beat and a momentum. Uh, it's, I'm not saying anything crazy. Of course, everyone knows this about Edgar, right? He like, edits to almost a musical style and yeah you know he made a whole movie about it uh, baby driver i would love musical from edgar Wright. me too based off these two films me too um 
And so, you know, ultimately I just, I really cared about her character and wanted her to like succeed and figure it out. Um, and that, you know, goes to screenwriting and the script and her acting. And so, you know, when I, when we, again, like, it's like, well, okay, well, why did you like it so much? Well, you have to remember, I have to fucking care. And I'm not saying everyone has to care. Like they're, they're going to care the same as me, but if I care about some, a character in a film, I care. Like there's, it's kind of hard to quantify, you know, and usually it has to do with motivations and, and the script. Right. And so I guess I'm speaking to the fucking writing is really good. And then of course I do agree that like the final, I think, like I said, you're saying like more than, than I think it is. I think like the final, like 20 to 30 minutes, it's sort of, it's just, um, it's, you know what it kills me is how much she sees the ghosts. Yeah, it's it's so much dog. It spirals a little much out of control, but I feel like we I, let me let me say this. I feel like we want it to be a horror movie, and so when that yes. happens, we think this is the horror movie part. But watching it, I know you. Re, I'm sure you saw it more than once. But when I rewatched it three times, I thought, you know, I don't. I see it now. It's not really horror, even in those moments. It's talking about like ghosts of London and things like that. Like it's not a horror scene even though yes there's crazy things happening it's more so i don't know and then of course like it has all these fucking elements of giallo and italian filmmaking fucking fires and fucking uh neon and fucking eyes a lot of eyes here um i don't know i fucking this movie spoke to me and i really really like it really like it last night in soho is fucking sick uh that's the best way i can put it i want to like it that much I definitely don't want you at all to come out thinking like I'm saying you're wrong about like those horror elements at the end. I don't want to say I totally agree, but I agree that it's like kind of not as well. Like I feel like it kind of has that Candyman issue of like it doesn't necessarily wrap up in this totally satisfying way. Mm. And it's not so much like the screen, like the script. Like I like what they did. I like the results of the characters. Let's just put it that way. So it's not that. It's more so like it just sort of devolves into like trying to do horror things um, or at least that's how it feels. And I feel like it just kind of misses the mark and that's weird for Edgar Wright. Mm. Like it's kind of weird. Um, it's certainly not a bad film. But it's one of the most gorgeously fucking shot movies of the year. Um, I was like falling over watching it again, seeing just, I mean, just simple shots. Like I'm not trying to be like a filmmaker guy. It's just fucking insane. Like it's gorgeous. Last night in Soho is my number three. All right, uh, E-Dog's number two. I'm ready. E-Dog has a new patron saint. And her name... Is it St. Jimmy? Is St. Maud. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I thought this was going to be my number one. Wow. Uh, when I rewatched it, uh, I don't know if you remember when we talked about it the first time, I said what an awful experience I had. Yes. And so I finally just got to see it like... Is how Saint Maud, because uh, you watched it on Epics, intended. Yes, and it kept like buffering. It was real. It was real fucking awful. Reminds me of my experiences with Shutter. Um, best five dollars I spend a month. Uh, okay, so Saint Maud uh, tells a story about this woman who has uh, incurs a tragic accident, and she's found God. Uh, she becomes a uh, like home healthcare worker, yeah, like hospice kind of. Right. Uh, she meets this woman who is terminally ill, and this woman wants to live out the last of her days 
as fun as possible. She wants to drink. She wants to smoke. She wants to fuck. It's what we all want to do, right? Sort of like bucket list attitude. And or should I say, fuck it list. But, but, but St. Maud sees her as, this is someone's soul I need to save. Uh, sort of redeeming her. Right. Uh, I guess she thinks she can redeem herself if uh, uh, she can save this woman. Uh, worlds collide. Heads clash. And uh, it leads to possibly the most satisfying 83-minute horror movie ending of 2021 for Edoc. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and you know it was it was crazy. Like when I saw Saint Maud, how did I, you watch it? Epics, epics, epics. Yep, rented it or whatever. VOD did it. <clears throat> um, I haven't even opened my Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, you know, when I watched it, of course, I was waiting for the horror element, right? Would you say it's? I mean, not really. It's about as horror as Lamb. <laughs> Yeah, I almost want to feel like I almost want to say this is like a character study. Definitely. Um but I think, you know, like I I want to say I heard somebody say like the final shot they didn't like. And I thought, man, if it didn't have that, what a different experience I would have with the film. Um I remember the ending happening, which I'm not going to spoil, but I remember the ending happening and I thought, man, this isn't kind of like this is still cool. I like this. And then there's a final final shot and I was like, oh, this is like one of the greatest fucking things I've ever seen. Right. Um so I definitely, definitely agree, but I don't think it's, um, I think you're right. It's, it's more like taxi driver, uh, in the sense that it's like mental health and obsession. Um, but I think it's like obsession with like, with, like I said, like, uh, with faith, like not so much about the faith. Like it feels like it is because, uh, early on in the film, she starts like dressing, like almost like a, like a, uh, nun almost. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you know, the film's called St. Maud. And I really feel like it was more, it wasn't necessarily exploring religion as it, as it seems to come off as it is. It really feels like it's exploring obsession and mental illness. I, I agree with you because I feel like whatever her religion is, the film doesn't say. Right. But I almost feel like that makes it more relatable. Yeah. Because like growing up Catholic, I feel like there was a point in time when like I fell for stuff like that. Like thinking like I did something wrong and now I need to be. Punished. punished. Yep. She does it to a fucking extreme. Uh, but I guess that was one thing that was like relatable. Yeah. Uh, uh, for me. And I guess just my own mental health issues that I really connected. It's Saint this sort of stem from that in a way. And, and yeah. And then I guess there's like the horror shit that's kind of there. Like, uh, for yeah, example, I mean, yeah. like when she like thinks she sees the woman doing one thing, I won't say what, cause I don't want to spoil anything. Um, but I don't know. This one really just hit the nail on the head for me. And there's like the, you know, even before that finale, there's like these scenes of like really kind of nastiness with like, um, I can't remember if it's like nails or what is it? Like, yeah, she puts nails in her, in the sole of her shoes. Yes. And then goes walking. Um, and of course, you know, you have like biblical references like that. So where she's sort of, uh, vlogging herself. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a fucking cool ass movie. I, I'd love to see what this person does next. Uh, one that got me was uh, she opens up a, a bag of unpopped popcorn. Like it's just like the kernels yeah. and then she nails on them. Oh God. Yeah. It's just amazing. So it's like that self torture porn, I guess. Duh. There you go. Yeah. Um, 
Man, I'm just thinking about it now. I'm just thinking about the image. Like, so so good. Saint Maud's awesome. Yeah. Don't expect a fucking uh, wild uh, spook show. No, no, not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Expect a character study, like Eric said. Yeah, that's yeah. a great, great way to explain that. All right, I only got one left, so let's hear your number two. My number two. <clears throat> I haven't spoken about this movie yet. Okay, I'm the, interested. You know, these two. I think they pretty much sum up Keegan. Okay. Um, I feel, you know, I never felt more confident about my number one. It was funny because I told Ben, I was like, hey, you know, we're doing our top 10. Ben's my brother. Doing my top 10 of the year. And he's ben like, who? He's That's like, joke. he asked me, he's like, what is your t- your number one? I'm not there yet. But I was like, he's like, what is your number one? And I was like, I thought you knew. Like, I thought everybody knew. Uh, so we'll get to that. Okay. But my number two. I'll tell you what. I can't guess right now. My number two is... Um, I would have thought Malignant would have been higher than four for you. My number two of 2021 is the film I wanted to be my number one. Okay. But I was ultimately surprised by other things. Okay. And this was Halloween Kills is my number two of 2021. That was dumb of me. Now, you have to remember, I understand this film has evil dies tonight. (laughs) You know, I understand that this film is not uh, wall-to-wall perfect. It's not. I almost think the first one is. So, and you know, I love Halloween 2018. I think I think people it's kind of been weird this like sort of I feel like people have soured on it in some ways. I rewatched it. I love 2018. Love it. And Halloween Kills, I mean, I spoke on it at end. We did a full review on it. So, I won't I won't I won't drag, but I think the ultimate like sort of summation of my feelings on Halloween Kills are this is a downright down and dirty Mm. pissed off fucking mean slasher mm. and it just if 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 you ask me you know it it actually has me almost worried for halloween ends because i heard uh david gordon green say you know hey this one's not going to be as like straightforward and and bloodlusty and that that will make sense for the trilogy but just after this it's like i want more of this you know like <laughs> right. fuck but you know of course just like the scream 5 conversation like we it, you know be careful what you ask for you know you don't always want what you think you want mm. and so maybe halloween ends will be even better than uh likely hopefully i hope it is better than halloween kills uh but man just just from from fucking kickoff to the end just fucking um i'm using the f word because I just felt like this film was fucking kick ass. Uh, take no prisoners, no holds bar. Unleash Michael Myers onto this fucking town, mm. and it, it just it. I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe. Like I watched it and left, and I was like, okay, like yeah, evil dies tonight. But other than that, like this is fucking wall to wall insanity. Um, I just like watching Michael Myers obliterate people. And I feel, you know, almost trying to think about it, like why, I guess we'll deal with that another time. Um, but you know, it, it was almost like Rob zombie levels of violence. Mm. And it's funny because like Rob zombies films, I do like, but obviously like, I feel like they're missing like heart and characters I really care about. And I really care about like Lori and Allison and Karen and you know, I worry for them. I want them to survive. I want them to figure out. I want, I'm, I'm with them on their mission. Um, and so I think that's what sort of elevates it. It's not just a gory, mean-spirited slasher film. I really care about these characters. So ultimately, uh, this is just, it just blew my mind. 
I wanted Halloween to go further in 2018, and they did with mm-hmm. Kills. Not perfect. I agree with that, but this is what I wanted, and I they fucking gave it to me. They fucking scooped it up in a fucking ice cream scoop and shoved it down my throat. Also, the best score of the year. It's so good. Mm-hmm. So good. And I can't um, wait. Speaking of John Carpenter scores, uh, I'll make this quick. He's scoring the Firestarter. I saw that. That's weird. And the guy who directed the Vigil. So Color E-Dog interested. But Zac Efron. I don't mind Zac Efron. I don't either. I just, it kind of like, let me say it this way. Okay. John Carpenter is scoring a film led by Zac Efron. (laughs) Okay. Is that not a little bit like, what? Right. So no, I definitely, the new Firestarter, that's cool. Yeah. Color me excited when I heard he was doing it. So anyways, Halloween Kills, we've spoken about it at fucking length. We'll mm-hmm. probably talk about it more. Um, I don't need to say it again that it's not perfect, but this is what I wanted. And uh, it was fucking served up to me on a platter. I'm glad I came around. I'm glad you did too. Eric. Here it is. What is Eric Hoff's Care number to- one film? Care to guess? Of 2021. I can't think. I can't think of one. Steven Kostansky's Psycho Gorman. Hey! Yeah. Did, I, I haven't seen it, but Eric, please, tell us about your number one. Well, that's my number one. <laughs> so, I would hope you Maybe could, I need to check it out. I would hope that you would give it a chance. I would hope so, too. Maybe one of these days it's rainy and you can't go outside and you've got and nothing I, and to Halo, do. And uh, I'll need Halo to not work either. Uh, yeah, maybe your internet's down for the day and you've got a copy of it. You know, okay, so Psycho Eric, tell Gorman. us about your number one. Yes. Uh, what's funny is like how earlier I was having that existential crisis about how I'm 33 going on 34 and I still like the er- same bullshit. Eric, earlier, you're still going through that existential crisis. <laughs> right? I don't think we're ever going to not. Uh, you know, I was talking it out. Yeah. Well, this movie speaks to child Eric. Yes. Uh, okay, so Psycho Goreman. Uh, For the is, uninitiated. Yes. If, if you And this is on Shudder. So please uh, give this a shot. Uh, Psycho Goreman is about this alien, Psycho Goreman, whose whole purpose, the reason he lives, is just to murder as many people and things as he can. All he wants is chaos, death, and destruction. Kind of how I feel. When I have to go to work on my day off. Um, a band of aliens called the the Templars. The Chitari. I believe the Templars. Uh, they are able to imprison Psycho Goreman. They're able to overpower him. And they bury him on Earth where he has laid dormant for centuries. Uh, at the start of the film, we meet uh, two children. I would say maybe 10, 11, 12. Uh, they are brother and sister. Uh, Mimi and what's funny is I'm forgetting the boy's name. And the reason that's funny is that's a joke in the film. Psycho Goreman can't remember <laughs> the boy's name. Anyways, uh, they awaken him and he has this stone with him that is in uh, the girl's possession, Mimi. And as long as it's in her possession, she has to do what Psycho Goreman, whatever she tells him to do. And this is like play dodgeball. This is like play dress up. Um, 
And it's funny because it's this murderous alien who's forced to do all these childish things. Uh, in addition to that, it's like practical, gory effects. And what's funny is like the rules of the world don't apply to Psycho Goreman, the film. So like, for example, there's a part wherever they're playing dress up, they're like out, you know, uh, in a in a clothing store and this child like yells something and insults Psycho Goreman. So Psycho Goreman blows up and kills the child. <laughs> and, it's, and it's not a thing. You know, we just keep going. We're just going to keep killing children. And it's super surprisingly anti-cop and anti-religion. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And this is your number one film of the year. And this is my number one film of the year. Yeah. <laughs> so Psycho Goreman is this silly premise, super gory. I was going to say number uh, funnest film of the year to me. Wow. With, with Malignant coming in as a close second. Wow. So you dog's just looking for a good time, dog. I love it. Yeah. I love it. As I, E-Dog's number one. Psycho Goreman. Well, it's funny. Okay. Be, because I'm, I'm so happy you're number one as Psycho Goreman. I will check it out, Eric. Okay. Um, I feel like, as we always say to conclude these, I feel like your number one perfectly encapsulates you. Oh, thank you. And I feel like my number one perfectly encapsulates me. And it's sort of, it shows the difference between you and I. Not that we don't like similar films. It's true, but that's what works about us. Yes, absolutely. Is our contrast. Yes, contrasting vibes. Yes. Um, okay. And I, I don't I, I don't always I I do want to say this. I don't I don't do this on purpose. Can I be honest with you? Sure. I just tried to look at your phone and I couldn't make out what it said. <laughs> nice. So so you are 34. Yes. Um I don't do this on purpose, right? Like I can only it's so funny because sometimes you get a little bit I get a little bit in my head like, you know, I I don't do this on purpose. These are just the films I like. Have I said it? Yes. Okay. So my number one, we'll just get to it and then we can discuss it. Okay. Uh, is David Bruckner's The Night House. Ah, I, I knew that. Yeah. So um, I s- drove to uh, Roswell by myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a weekend. I think my brother's out of town. I don't remember. Uh, I went and saw the night house alone in a theater in Roswell, New Mexico. And you know, it's just, sometimes things speak to you. Sometimes things are just feel like yours. And the night house was that film this year for me. Mm. Like, I just think this is, I don't know, man. I really, really like The Night House. I've spoken about it at length, so I, I struggle because I've already said the things I think are so powerful about it to me. Um, I don't want to spoil the film, but I don't think it's like a spoiler to bring this up out of context. Um, this film's exploration of the nothing and mm. and and those feelings of, of you know, again, death, um you know, mourning and loss, trauma, and ultimately feeling the nothing. Um, those things, again, I, I don't want to make it, you know, I don't want to be like the downtrodden guy. I'm really not. That's the funny part, right? But these things are what I like in art to explore. And aside from that, it's a fucking wall-to-wall fucking spook fest. Mm. And, but I don't think it's like kitschy 
You know, like... No, it's very serious. Yeah, even something like Insidious, for instance, which is very scary. Um, that's played for fun. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Where this is like played for uh, almost sinister, and no pun intended. Um, and you can sort of feel this meanness of like whatever entity or issue is occurring. And uh, man, Rebecca Hall, like I just, you know, you... If it wasn't Rebecca Hall written this way and she wasn't performing this way with this script, um, these scenes would be cool. It would be a cool like haunted house film, for instance. But it just is so perfectly nailed. And I just couldn't believe that like this turned out to be like uh, the Fox Disney merger Mm, and it got dumped, dumped. didn't even come here and eventually came out on Blu-ray, not even on 4K. Uh, Same thing happened to Antlers. And... It just, I don't know. Not very often do I feel like a film is just utterly like perfect. And I, I, I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. I mean, there's, there's one scene in particular in this movie that I feel like is, is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And yeah, it's just a startling jump scare. But it's not that. It's like the filmic quality that it, that it, that it takes to do it. Like, uh, it's, it's extremely, it's, a, it's like... It's an extremely cinematic jump scare. Um, it uses audio in the scene, the score, and just uh, it's ex- it's like this disorienting. She wake awakens from sleeping. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And uh, I've never felt this rush of like adrenaline oh. uh, from it. You know, from a film where I felt like I like I had woken up. Like it, it's just, and again, it's that auditory. You know, it's the the visual and and you know auto, auditory audible you know uh, medium of film that can do that, and he's using all of it, David Bruckner, and um, I love it. It's it's just so fucking so so awesome, and again, like as the film unveils itself, <clears throat> you know, as I always say, I love um, mystery box. Uh, storytelling and this show is what I would consider like I said a Rubik's Cube movie that is slowly like just like you said slowly unveiling the thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing to fit it all together to this ultimate mystery that just sort of like explodes into the film and and then you still have like within that these terrifying moments of you know you have like mirror shit and fucking like um, man this, this is this is cinema to me uh, I, I watched it, uh, I rewatched it, you know, to consider it for this list with my mom and nephew. And there's a set piece where women are running past her. Do you yes. And my mom literally yelled yeah. at that scene because it like startled her so much. I'm just thinking about how it's shot to. And again, like, that's the thing. It's not what's happening. It's this like cinematic way that David Bruckner shot it. Like it's it's truly astounding in my opinion, um, you know it reminds me of his of his Southbound short that's in Southbound. I don't know if you remember his is the one where the guy driving his car down the highway hits this woman in the road. That you remember Southbound, right? I remember Southbound, but I'm not remember this. And he calls like the like nine one one, and this person like uh, says that he can't they can't get help, but there's this nearby town. Take her to the hospital. Oh yes, and then he has to like perform surgery on her because nobody's there. I do remember. Um, 
you know, that's like a short little sweet version of Bruckner. And I just feel like this was like Bruckner unleashed with like, uh, it's Luke Petrowski or no Luke Collins and whatever Petrowski and Collins, whatever those guys, Mm -hmm. they wrote it and it had me like, Holy fuck. Like what a script. So like, this is like the perfect amalgamation of like director and script, uh, and what that can be. And again, just, you know, just, just to, just to finish up like that ultimate exploration of like loss, um, you know, trauma and the exploration of like the nothing I just thought was so profound to me. Uh, you know, not often do you have like these metaphorical, um, almost haunt, like the whole haunt is like a, I don't want to spoil the film, but it's like this metaphorical haunt, uh, within the movie. Uh, and it just, I just found it so profound and Rebecca Hall's just insanely fun performance. You know, she has that scene early on where she's just like giving that, you know, the mom, she's a teacher and the, the, there's a kid's mom is like, you know, my son got a B minus and I feel like he should have got an A and she's like, well, you know, my husband shot himself in the head, uh, last week and I, I just got back from his funeral so if you want an A, I'll give him an A. Like, it's just so like just taught writing and snarky, but not bullshit writing that like, of course appeals to me. And then she just nails it. So, uh, I like when she pushes the casserole, casserole into the, the trash Eric, can. I was literally just going to say she gets home from the funeral and she's standing there. And again, filmmaking, like this is the thing, like filmmaking. We stop and she's just standing there. We don't change camera views, nothing. She stands there for a second. Stands there for a second. Like, what's going on? Like, what's happening? And she just slides the casserole into the trash and it says the night house. And I was like, holy fuck. Like, I know it's that, but it's just, this is, this is why I go to the movies. Like the night house is why I go to the fucking movies. Um, I will follow Bruckner and these guys now. Like, cause this is just, this blew my fucking mind. Uh, I I also rewatched Super Dark Times. Oh, it's the same guy that yes. wrote Super yep. Dark Times, right? Super Dark Times for me is almost so stressful. I have a hard time rewatching that one. Uh, my nephew asked that I show him a movie where teenagers make smart decisions. Oh, yeah. So we went with Super Dark Times, and I asked him if it met his. So you showed him Truth or Dare standard. And he told me, yes. Oh, super dark times. Yeah, no, those guys, uh, that one's directed by Kevin Phillips, but they, they, they wrote it. And that was my first thing I found out was I was like, they wrote super dark times. I was like, it makes sense. Mm. Like, um, they just have a way with like their, uh, emotional writing that I feel like speaks to me clearly. I love super dark times. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I hope I, you know, I did my best to explain it. it it's kind of hard cause you know, you start to wonder like, why am I attracted to stuff like this? And I really don't know. I really don't know, but, um, I feel the same. Yeah. Yeah. So my number one is the night house. Eric's number one is psycho Gorman. And I feel like that's perfect. <laughs> we have a lot of similar stuff and then we divulge in certain ways. How about we recap? Yes, absolutely. All right. Uh, I'll go first. Go, no, go. you know what you, I've been talking too long. You go ahead. All right. My number 10 was the Slumber Party Massacre remake. Number nine, The Night House. Uh, number eight, Fear Street, 1994. Number seven, Jacob's Wife. Number six, Halloween Kills. Number five, Army of the Dead. Number four, Malignant. Number three, Candyman. Number two, St. Maud. And my favorite film of 2021 was Psycho Goreman. Keegan, your list. 
My number 10 was Lamb. My number nine was Candisha. Aisha Candisha. I've got this all fucked up. Eight. My number eight was A Quiet Place 2. My yes. number seven was St. Maud. My number six was Candyman. My number five was Tatan. Number four was Malignant. Number three, Last Night in Soho. Number two, Halloween Kills. And number one, my favorite film of 2021 was David Bruckner's The Night House. And, you know, it's crazy thinking about it. You know, when you go into a year, what's your favorite movie of next year probably going to be? Scream. Uh, well, let's say last year, 2021. Oh. Halloween Kills would have been my answer. You know what's funny is Psycho Goreman came out January of last year. Well, and so it was like one of the first films I watched, and I know it was going to be my fucking favorite of the year. I will say that, like, too, you know, it's funny about The Night House was it was one of the first movies as the theaters came back in our area when Allen Theaters uh, opened back up. It was one of the first ones I saw after we we, we reopened. And um, I do wonder if it, like, had to do with that. Like, it was something I saw early on. Right. Um, but, no, I was just going to say, like, it's funny. Like, what's your favorite movie of the year going to be? Oh, it's Hall- probably Halloween Kills. I had no idea that fucking the night house was out there lingering as to right. be like this explosive movie to me. And it, you know, so it just goes to show you never fucking know. Mm. Um, Cause it's not like I was anticipating this or I, or like I was following David Bruckner so closely, you know what I mean? Mm. So it's just like, if it works, it works. I think, I think a great example for me of that scenario you just described was last year when I said, uh, or 2020, when I said your house was my favorite yeah. film. Like, I didn't know I was just going to put on some dumb fucking Netflix movie and then be like, holy shit, this is my right. favorite film of the year. It's, it's just, it's crazy. Right. It's crazy. Um, yeah. What was your favorite film of 2020? Oh, God. Oh, that was a good one, too. I liked it. Oh, got a, got a reply from Shane to that story. All caps. One exclamation mark. Finally. Nice. Fuck yeah. I don't know if I'll be able to call this out. Hello, everybody, at the end of this podcast. I remember what my number one was. It was The Invisible Man. Oh, that makes sense. I can read you my list now that I'm there. Okay. It was, my number one was uh, Invisible Man. Number two was The Lodge. Number three was Freaky. Number four was After Midnight. Number five was The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Number six was The Dark and the Wicked. Mm. Number seven was Host. Number eight was Underwater. Number nine was We Summon the Darkness. Number 10 was His House. There you go. Anyways, we'll wrap up here. Can I get you to agree to a TCM episode next? Sure. Okay. That's tough because we'll have to do uh, uh, three and next gen. But I have next generation on Blu-ray. Isn't there a Warner Brothers archive? Of there the is. I just, I just don't have it. Oh, I have the DVD. Nice. Oh, yeah. Throw that away. I saw you threw away a DVD recently. Uh, it was Night of the Demon. Yes. I had a, a, according to this DVD that I got from eBay 100,000 years ago, um, the film was in the public domain. Wow. And it was a real piece of shit copy. So when I got my copy from Severin, threw it away. I do it just for you, Doc. Anytime I tweet about Skater XL, it's for Ben. And uh, anytime I throw away a DVD, it's for you, Doc. Did you say I tweeted your name today? You didn't even like it. I didn't see it. All right, Eric. Today... I tweeted. Okay, let me go look. The most brilliant tweet of all time. Well, it involved me, so it must have. I tweeted, in the words of the great Eric Hoff. You didn't see this? Uh-uh. In the words of the great Eric Hoff, quote, I want every movie to be my new favorite movie. With that being said, 
I'm in for this. And I was talking about the new Jurassic World trailer. Did you? Nope. I did not tag you. That's what I was going to say. No. Now Eric's just scrolling Twitter and we're trailing. Yeah. So uh, Keegan just said yes. What was your favorite film last year? Your house. Your house. Okay. So it's kind of funny because you think about uh, The Invisible Man. um, It kind of reminds me of The Night House. It has a similar vibe of an invisible person. Okay, we're really just trailing. So yes. Stop. Hello, everybody. We're trailing here. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our top 10 of 2021. But before we go, exciting news. Yes. Sam Zimmerman, the curator for Shudder, just tweeted, it's true, March on Shudder will be wild with a wonderful survey of French horror extremity, including, yes, the long-awaited premiere of Livid. Let's go. Let's go. So, yeah, li- I, I have the Livid Blu-ray from, uh, I, I don't care if it's France or UK. Uh, Livid, everyone out there, March 1st on Shudder. Uh, livid. It's it's also known as Levide uh, in French, uh, in France. Uh, fucking amazing movie. Also, be prepared for it to remind you of a certain movie called Don't Breathe. Ooh, exciting. And with that, thank you for listening. So we're gonna try to do TCM next, I guess. Yes. Is that okay? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Okay. And what else, Eric? Um, so we're not gonna do our scream spoilers. No, no. no. I think we've gassed it. <laughs> gassed or gassed out. Yeah. Uh, but uh, thank you everybody for listening. Sorry this took us so goddamn long. Uh, really, what happened was we were like, "Oh, we'll do a scream episode," and then we didn't do that. Yeah. Blame me, Doug. Yeah. And then it was like, "Oh fuck, I guess we'll just do our top 10. So, uh, what else, Eric? We love you, and we miss you, and we miss you. Uh, I'm gonna shout him out again because he is he has messaged me every time. Let's get together sometime. at the end. I'm going to shout out Ross Hool. Hello, bud. Oh, thanks. He's for listening. an avid listener, buddy of mine from high school, and uh, he 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 messaged me a few like months ago, like, "Hey, I forgot to message you, but I heard your shout out." So, hello, Ross. Good deal. And everyone else out there. Yes. And Andrew, you're never getting your podcast equipment. You know, did I tell you I saw him? Is this something you want to say on the pod? Yes. Okay. I went and hung out with him in Crucis. Did I tell you that? You did not. A few months ago, and I told him. He's living there now, right? Yeah. Okay. And I really told him. Oh, you saw the picture. I said, you're definitely never getting it back now. (laughs) Um, And I apologize for (laughs) stealing it from him. He lives in another city. He gave it to you. Uh, I don't know. Tomato, tomato. Tomato, tomato. Potato, Uh, potato. Goodbye, everybody. We love you so much. We hope that you and your family are safe in this insane COVID time. We hope that next time we speak, the uh, surges have gone down and we are still all kicking. We love you. Bye-bye. We love you. Goodbye. (laughs) 